Hello, folks. Welcome to Marvel News. I'm your host, David Price. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, you're going to hear from Andrew and Kevin and Steve and Phil in a little bit. Uh, first, I figured I'll just run down a few things that I have read over the past few days, starting with Squadron Sinister, the final issue of that four-issue miniseries from uh, Secret Wars, the fantastic fourth issue of this miniseries uh, from Secret Wars. This was uh, this was headed where I kind of thought it was going to go. Uh, I loved the title of the issue. I particularly was a fan of one panel uh, that was signed, and and uh, and the reference was acknowledged, and I thought it was uh, pretty damn well done, and I. Actually, I, I I posted it. I, I had to uh, save that for the future, for posterity. So uh, the issue ended. It, you know what? I I think it it went as well as it could have, and kudos to everyone involved. It was a um, it. I am a fan. Of Mark Guggenheim, I do like the man's writing. This was uh, this was business as usual as far as that goes for me, uh, and the um, the pencils and inks by uh, Pacheco and Tabo were just fantastic. I was uh, I was quite quite happy. Um, the other issues, I uh, I read Thor's number four, also finishing that miniseries. Unfortunately, I read it after. I read Secret Wars number seven, and for the first time uh, that I, well, that it was so glaringly obvious, I guess, there was reference to uh, another story that wasn't in the main title, the main miniseries. Uh, and basically it involved Thor's, plural, and, and, uh, the last few pages of Thor's number four ties into, uh, or the pages in Secret War Seven pick up where that uh, they are. They kind of have to go together. Uh, I'm going to say even even the last few pages of um, yeah, the last few pages of Thor's ties in to Secret Wars number seven, and that is for me at least based on the other miniseries I'm reading um, different than. Uh, Penerissa, Renew Your Vows, for example. Uh, I do have to read The Siege, so I believe that there's some things going on in there. I uh, also read the uh, the second issue of Spider-Gwen. That was really good. It gave us the, uh, the Sam Wilson, I'm sorry, the Samantha Wilson, who is the, uh, the Captain America of Earth-65, of this particular universe, uh, and we got a, a, a pretty smartly done two-page origin for this Captain America with uh, a lot of room left to build on the story. Uh, there was some jumping around, which anybody can now pick up the ball and, and run with. I, kudos to Latour and, and Rodriguez for that. Uh, also read the first issue of the Illuminati I've never been a really big fan of the hood. He's just 
oh, I, I get it. He, he's a bad guy. You know, you're not supposed to like him, but I should be able, I'm supposed to like the books I'm reading. And when a character is in the book, uh, that just completely turns me off. I'm not reading the book to find out what happens to him. It just completely sours me on the entire, uh, experience. I am curious enough to read the next couple of issues to see where it's going. Uh, but as far as, you know, the hood's master plan, I, I really don't care about that. I, I, uh, I honestly think that for me, the, uh, the Sean Crystal art is what, uh, had me entertained throughout. And, you know, I kind of, kind of feel bad for, uh, for Titania. So, you know, we'll see the, the, the preview, I'm sorry, the, the, the solicit copy, um, there wasn't a whole lot, uh, related to that, that happened in the issue, but I'm not, cause I read that didn't really pan out the cover. Again, also not so um, not so tied in to the actual issue. Still, if you're a fan of any of the characters, uh, I would give it a shot. Uh, you do get the Paramount and Iron Fist appearance. You get a She-Hulk appearance. Uh, there's there's a lot of attitude in the issue, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, read the uh, all new, all different Avengers. Really enjoyed the backup story to that. That was uh, that was written by Mark Wade, art by Mahmoud Asrar, and uh, featuring Ms. Marvel and Nova. Pretty entertaining. I really, really enjoyed that backup. I wish we got more of the backup than the main story. Main story, kind of just typical. A lot of Tony Stark talking. Uh, some Captain America and some still... some bystanders, the, the, the average Joe comments, um, still happening here when Falcon, I'm sorry, when Captain America, uh, saves the day and the kind of comments that you would see in the Captain America, Sam Wilson book spilling over here. Uh, and also the Spider-Man of the ultimate universe, uh, is in this book as well. Because of Mahmoud, because of Mark Wade, I'm definitely checking this book out. It's not necessarily a team that um, I am all about, but I'm uh, I'm gonna see where it's going. I did finish reading Uncanny X Men. I, I um, plowed through about a dozen issues, and uh, finishing, of course, with Uncanny X Men 600. I enjoyed the issue. I, I enjoyed. Yeah, I, there was more good than bad for me in the issue. Jason and I touched on it briefly on last week's 11 o'clock comics. Uh, but there was the, the high moments for me were really, really high. And uh, that kind of offset anything I may not have been feeling about the issue. That kind of catches you up a bit. I did read the first issue of The Ultimates. I'm not sure how I'm feeling about that. Uh, going to give that another issue or two to see how things fall into place. I am very intrigued. I, I'm curious to see where Marvel is going once 
And even though Secret Wars is still happening as far as publishing issues and putting them out on the shelves, uh, the all-new, all-different Marvel has started to uh, started to take shape. And I don't know if I necessarily consider everything that's going to happen in that issue has not been spoiled. Uh, I'm sorry, as far as how Secret Wars wraps up has been spoiled for me with the new series is... Uh, but I'm just enjoying the journey for everything. It looks like, uh, some folks are aware of the, the incursion, the event, and, uh, we'll see how that plays out. That the only person who remembers the original crisis on infinite earth was a psycho pirate. And, uh, that didn't bode too well for him. So, uh, well, just as far as how he ended in that series in the padded room, we'll say. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of got you caught up. I'm going to let the guys do their thing now. I uh, I am going to get back to more reading. I, I still need to finish up the uh, all-new X-Men. I have a Nova, the first issue of that to read, uh, as well as Hercules, and probably some Deadpool and some Drax. So there's some things that I have... On tap, so I'm going to get to those. And, uh, well, I'll let the guys do their thing. So that's it for me. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. surprised that that steve was reading the contest of champions because the contest of champions thing in the point one mm-hmm. like kind of spoiled stuff for secret wars so i'm like how could steve be reading but the that's... one that spoils secret wars if he's not reading them so that does tie into the real marvel universe that comic yeah. i didn't think it did yeah it does i didn't feel like the the one issue spoiled anything though but maybe one I issue didn't know the first issue didn't like it felt totally yeah. separate it's because there's weird. none of our heroes in it or heroes like it's all new made up alternate universe. Right, should we um, should we slap it get started on this thing or I'm I'm recording. We did we start. Can slap an intro. Did yeah, we? Well, I mean, we got a back in the dentist chair. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, we're back in the dentist chair. Andrew, you feel that we're back to doing some number ones again, getting back into the old groove. It's like those old days when we didn't know what we were doing. We still don't know Somewhere. what we're doing. Yeah. What about yeah, me? Somewhere. Just yeah. Andrew? You're just going to tell us to Andrew? Hey, you weren't here. I wrote this before. Well, <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> sure you can write my name in quick. You got to redo it. There's no redos, Phil. <laughs> well, I, I think we can all say that um, none of us saw the ending of Secret Wars coming the way it did. That's for so, sure. I mean, it was a real turnaround. I want to have a moment of silence for uh, a shock ending when Super Steve sacrificed himself in a battle with God Doom to uh, reset the continuity. Well, he we'll is Galactus. Steve. He will birth a new universe. So if you hear Steve, remember, uh, that's, you know, just the echo of what once was. Are you announcing that Steve quit the show? <laughs> no, he sacrificed himself at the. Didn't you read the last issue of Secret Wars number nine, Phil, where he. Uh, they come out so far apart, I forget what happened. Well, it's a 72-page, nine-panel-per-page spectacular, and in the final eight-way gatefold, uh, he sacrifices himself in a battle with Doom. 
Do we even we properly here. introduce ourselves? No. <laughs> Welcome to Marvel Noise, everybody. It's some of the regular jokers here to talk about all new, all different post-Secret Wars continuity Marvel Universe titles. But Secret Wars isn't sl- over no. yet. Oh, it was over before it started, Phil. <laughs> and with me here today is Phil, the Ottawa Otter, on Twitter at me and my sl- me and my sloth. Phil, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Also joining me from the frozen tundra up north is Kevin, WWX on Twitter. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing good. It's a little bit of a heat wave right now before the, you know, the the cold, you know. Cold is beautiful this winter. This week it's like summer again here. (laughs) No, it's weird. Because I I just know the temperature is just going to drop and that'll be it. That'll be it for us. Oh, yeah. We'll be in our igloo soon. And I'm uh, Andrew uh, on Twitter, LA underscore rabbit one. And we're firing up. We got a, a huge stack we're looking to do like we did before, where we give you guys a taste and hopefully steer you in the correct direction. So, yeah. uh, Kevin, I think you have a zero issue to talk about. Uh, yeah. Before we get into this, I should mention that we're going to discuss these books. Uh, maybe like some of them we won't spend that much time on some maybe a lot of time on and there will be spoilers but we probably won't spoil everything but uh you know if that bothers you you can come back later oh man i hope we've gotten better from our original thunderbolt <laughs> we will not be spending an hour and a half on one issue i guarantee it so so you want the all new all different point one or do you want to avengers number zero well, do you want to talk about the one number one that's not all new, all different? Do you want to talk uh, Agents of Atlas? I didn't read that one. Well, then we're not going to talk about it. It goes back in the stack. That one isn't properly an all new, all different one. But just as a quick note, Tom Taylor and Steve Pugh kicked out a one-shot Zemo. Secret Wars tie-in. Is that the last one to come out? Yeah. I, I kind of wonder if they added that one knowing that they were going a little long because it, it seemed... You know, tacked on there into October. It was a fun story, though. You know, who doesn't like Agents of Atlas? And, and it's uh, been a while since you've seen them, I believe. Yeah. Who doesn't like Baron Zemo? Yeah. Oh, he's in it, too? Yeah. Yeah. The OG uh, Zemo. Well, yeah, Kevin didn't read it yet, so I won't ask much about it. But but it is, it's in one of the battle worlds, like. Yes. Yeah. Basically, it's in one of the unpleasant. There are a few. Such as the uh, Hail Hydra one is also set in a similarly unpleasant okay. district of Battle World, where the agents of Atlas provide the one hope against the repressive regime, and they come off as general bad ass characters. <laughs> but anyways, um, I think the all new, all different point one, point one, one point one, number one is a good place to start. That doesn't clear things up much. <laughs> but anyways, this is one of the, the big issues that, that gives you uh, some original stories before you can figure out, I guess, if you if you like where some of these stories are going and then check out the number ones. So in this one, you have uh, a Contest of Champions story, a Carnage story, a Rock Raccoon and Groot story, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. story, and an all-new, all-different all in human story and then uh, our daredevil with blind spot not the tv series i hope they're gonna drop these all new all different type titles eventually 
Well, they don't all have that. It's just... But it's like, are they going to add something new for the next batch, you know? Getting a new number one used to feel so special. Now it's it's just not as special anymore because there's we get so many of them from every company, you know? Especially Marvel, though. Do you guys find that? Like, it's you're not as excited about number ones anymore? Well, yeah, but part of that is Marvel publishes a lot of books and I'm not uh, fresh to comics and, like, I've experienced a lot, so... Some of that is, it's just not going to be new, all new, all different to me. Yeah, I don't know if I was ever as excited, but it is interesting how I remember when all this first started and everyone was maybe about four or five years ago proclaiming the doom of comics and everything. And mm-hmm. we've all kind of adjusted, like yeah. the days of comics lasting more than 30 issues or maybe 40 if they double up are kind of done. And it's just... We're all still here. I mean, I'm sure we lost a few people. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I think we've gained a few people as well, though. Like, some of those titles that Marvel's publishing, it's they wouldn't have been publishing a few years ago. But so, Marvel goes a little crazy with it, though, because they don't need to renumber some of them. Like Howard the Duck, for example, uh, Squirrel Girl. Like, Squirrel Girl even made fun of it on her new cover. That was, that was pretty funny. <laughs> like... Like, there's just certain titles that did not need to be rebooted all the time. Yeah. Well, well, there's certain people that just want the numbering removed from the comics altogether. But I guess I oh, should tell do. you uh, more about this uh, all-new, all-different. So they have the... The, the whole uh, conceit of this issue is uh, the maestro is sort of, like, looking for um, fighters for his contest of champions with the collector. So they introduce you to the different titles through them evaluating things like, oh, how is Carnage? Or how are the agents of Atlas? Oh, I wouldn't pick them or whatever. So they they, they take you through all the stuff and set up the titles. Like the Carnage one, it looks like he's going to be uh, facing off against another Spider-Man supporting character. Well, it's uh, Toxin, the uh, one that's been around before, I believe. I don't recall seeing any Toxin... Well, I know he's story. showing up in, like, issue two or three or something. Yeah. yeah. And the Rock of Raccoon Groot story is, like, a Halloween thing where <laughs> the, the, the whole gag is, the, like, the, like you think it's kids that are, um, like, checking out Rock of Raccoon and Groot and saying, oh, well, their costumes aren't that good. Mm-hmm. And this, is, this isn't the, like, the, the, the Groot with all the crazy, you know, lights and all that on his body. Like, this is more of a standard Groot. So I was happy for that, because I don't know why Groot would like get a new crazy costume and everything. But anyways, <laughs> uh, the the agents of uh, Shield story has our good old uh, Baron Strucker, so he's up to no good, and the agents are there, and you sort of see some it's kind of TV agents, though, right? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? Uh... Baron Strucker's kid who looks just like him and has the same deformities so they can continue it on like Nick Fury. You know what? I'd almost pay for their kids to be fighting. <laughs> I'd pay them to stop making that show. Well, the one where it wasn't... It didn't have anything to do with um, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show was actually the best episode, which is weird. Uh, and then the, you have one with the Inhumans. But I have a question. I haven't been reading the Inhumans, and I don't know if this has been touched on, but this Terrigen mist cloud is still going around the planet months later? Like, hasn't someone... Maybe they address this, but hasn't someone 
like done something or went into the air and scooped up that cloud or it's like how is it still going around the earth when you think of it though they've been pretty busy yeah, they have, they have been, but you think someone would have made money or it would have dissipated or or whatever. It's like the the like the plane in this story can't go the somewhere is, else. Though, so they're like, oh, we'll just priority? go through the cloud again. What's priority though? That or other or Earths from other universes colliding in tires? You know, like I guess so. I guess like, so. That's that's after you deal with that stuff. You know, you're defending Marvel well, Phil. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I just thought it was weird. Like, there's supposed to be, like, a, an amount of time has passed, and it's like, that cloud is still around. <laughs> well, to be fair, we don't know, all joking aside, sort of how the continuity gets reset after Secret Wars, though. I heard it's supposed to be, like, eight months or something. So like there after. could be some kind of, you know what I mean? There, yeah. There could have been a new leak or a new reset. I assume, or... yeah. I, I was just wondering if that had been addressed in some title, because I was just like, really? But maybe it has been. Uh, then the Daredevil story introduces this uh, new blind spot character. He's an illegal immigrant, and he has like this invisibility suit, and I guess he wants to get some training from Daredevil. Should have been Gambit. And Wait, then... Gambit teaming up with Daredevil? That seems... <laughs> I don't know. I like the idea. <laughs> Them being the thief and the you know? lawyer? Yeah. Yeah, why not? I think they'd work well together. So give me one, Andrew, that I haven't, or possibly I have read. So wait, right. was that worth was that worth getting though? Like for point one 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 or whatever it was, or like did you need that to enjoy what's coming ahead? I don't think so. Like, and if you get the trades, they'll they'll strip out the relevant stories. Like it was interesting, but it wasn't like great. I like them sometimes, just because it's kind of like an anthology in a way. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't think any of them were, were, like, terrible. Like, they were all interesting, but, you know, I think the Carnage one was the one I had the least interested Because it's just, like, Carnage going around, like, killing yeah. some people. And I'm just like, well, that's all right, I guess, if you're... Like, there's you more to, to the story really than that. You have to into that but... comic, I think, to enjoy Carnage, you know? Like, it's a select group of people, I think. Yeah. They keep putting them out, though, so it must be people are buying them, I guess. Oh, in the 90s, they kept on putting out those Venom limited series over and over. And I'm like, just giving them an ongoing book. Like, really? Yeah. Well, uh, one book you mentioned that seems to tie right in we can talk about is Contest of Champions number one. I did read that. Ooh, it, $4.99, and it's Al Ewing, Paco Medina, Juan Velasco, and colors David Curiel, with letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Uh, Steve touched on this a little bit, but what's interesting, Kev, is I guess the point one does inform it because the maestro's on the cover, but he's not in the issue itself. Um, That's right. Eh? And so I guess in line, if you combine those two, then you know he's part of it, but you don't have anything. Wasn't he on the cover? Yeah, that's it, though. But oh, you yeah. don't know that he's behind. You know, we have no yeah. clue of what his relationship is to the event. They do have, like, a giant four-page thing in the back promoting the free mobile video game mm-hmm. uh, contest of champions, which is, you know, you play it on your phone. I am already addicted to their candy crush knockoff and don't need yet another waste of time. So I have not downloaded <laughs> it They're um, They're collecting a real curious bunch of characters. Uh, the British Punisher is the whole opening sequence. Is he existing? He could, do you know, 
Like, have you seen um, him before? I had not. Steve said he had to look him up. Yeah, I he think he's about it. 90s at some point, like early okay. 90s, I think. Because I was wondering, because it seemed the way they wrote it that he has shown up before, yeah. but I wasn't 100% sure. And then um, he gets uh, basically summoned. He's identified as an outlaw. I did not recognize the entity that summons him. It might be a spoiler. It might not. Mm-hmm. But what happens is he gets sent off to a battle conflict area and runs into a venom. He's basically a fish what... out of water in this place. Right. And he's also the the, the audience's entree because as he goes to these different fights, he asks what's going on and they explain it to him. And what I loved was the return of the mercy bullets. I don't know if you boys remember that. The, pun- the original Punisher used to use those. Uh-huh. And those are those bullets that just knocked people out. And didn't <laughs> I don't remember them those. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, that was that was dropped pretty quickly. I'm talking the original, like, and those amazing Spider-Man appearances it was talked about. And then I think the general sort of silliness of mercy bullets and the impracticality of it, even for comics, quickly dropped it in Punisher in the mm-hmm. 80s turned super violent well, and then continued in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we do have, like, Venom and Gamora. Uh, Joe Fixit is our Hulk. We have an Iron Man. But then we have classic characters like Guillotine. <laughs> and um, it's just, I mean, we do have one panel with the Collector looking really weird. He has kind of like a soul patch. Well, it's because of the movie. Of wine. It's the movie. Logo. Oh, that's from the movie? Okay. I believe so, yeah. I didn't remember. But there's a, a South Korean superhero, White Fox, along with the guillotine. So these characters get more of an intro. So it's going to be a mix, which I always applaud. I really like when they bring in the more obscure along yes. with the the, uh, the the ones you were, were that, used to. Yeah, is that a tribute to the original, how they brought in all those like international heroes? I think so. Also, yeah. um, it, it gave a break to the art team because Thomas Labrotte does pencils and ink with Guru FX and colors on the backstory. The last little wit with Guillotine where she as, gets summoned. As far as I know, none of these characters are in the game because I did play a bit of the game. So, not at least with the people, really. At least with the Jewel game, they've been good about introducing characters. Like they have the new Wolverine, the X twenty three version is already in the Jewel game. Oh really? Oh wow! So they are keeping up with that in that game. I imagine they'll get them anyways. But I kind of, I mean, we've only intimated based on you're talking about the point one that it's going to be the collector versus, I guess versus the maestro or maybe with the maestro against someone else. Well, they're, it's, they're having super... a game because Game Master always does that, right? He'll have a game against right. someone like another god or whatever. But in this one, they don't mention the Game Master. No, but now that we know from the point one or whatever, it makes sense. And Right, but maybe the Maestro is either a player or the opponent, I don't know. Well, I'm thinking he has alternative motives, because you know him, he's after power. Yes, and I like the White Fox. I mean, some of the designs seem a little... I don't remember the White Fox, I don't have it in front of me. More tepid. Oh, she was the South Korean one. She just basically kind of like a, almost a female shroud, I want to say. Okay. But she has the, the half cape, which I like. But mm-hmm. like silver, like the white kind of silverish hair with a white domino mask and like the robe gloves and like the thigh high boots and the tight fitting costume. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, 
that should go without saying, or any of these characters huh. wearing baggy outfits. But so my only thing is it seems to kind of spell this out a little bit slowly. I think it's because they had to introduce new characters, but I could have think they could have laid out the teams like, well, it's definitely the collector versus the game. Like whoever it is, I wish they would have been more on the front, but maybe you have to play the video game to get that. No, not at all. I, I think the thing I'm scared of is that every issue is going to feel like this one. That could be. I mean, we didn't really get too much of a punch up. No, but, but also, like maybe fair, every issue is just new fights, maybe introduce a couple new characters. You know, like I don't think we're going to get this big, epic, amazing story, you know? I don't know. I mean, as I was saying, I, I didn't read the thing about the video game in the back. So maybe it explains more than I'm giving it credit yeah, for. Like, well, when I played the game, it had nothing to do with any of this stuff. Okay. Yeah. Weird. Like this is, it is odd that it's just a, a bizarre tie-in to like mm-hmm. a mobile free video game. But that being said, you know, the art team is capable of telling the story clearly yeah. and concisely. I don't... Marvel seems to have gone to... I don't want to say it's a house style, but it does... They like the, like, thick lines with the art. a lot of the artists on these books. Are you finding that? Yeah. At least some of the ones I've picked up. I mean, they still have a few mm-hmm. that do their own style, but to the extent there is a overwhelming one, it's more of the... I think it kind of grew out of the 90s. I mean, the proportions aren't as ridiculous, but that idea of, like, the kind of big black lines surrounding the characters, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with, but I like it when they mix it up. And have. To, and we'll talk about some other books with different artists. But that's a Contest of Champions. Got time for another Zero? So Avengers Zero, this is the Avengers-centric one. So you have the Squadron Supreme, the Vision and Scarlet Witch, Deadpool, uh, the new Avengers, Captain Marvel, and Alpha Flight. But this is what confused me. I haven't oh, been reading Captain Marvel. Not, and but, it's not the real Alpha, Alpha Flight, correct? Yeah, they're using Alpha Flight, like the term. I hate that. Not the team. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's their only Canadian team. Come on. I know. And they it. stole the name. <laughs> Alpha Flight's always been popular. Like, I don't know. I just found that. I, I paused for a moment going, yeah, okay. <laughs> So we're supposed to believe Canada protects space or whatever? I don't know. And then the ultimate. So, so have you been? I've been reading the Squadron Supreme Secret Wars time. Have book. you been reading that one? Kevin? Yes, one of my favorites. I assume it's not that one because some pretty serious stuff is happening. No, this is the more goody two shoes one, I believe. Okay. Well, isn't it? Not, if not, that's awesome. I would say the the Secret Wars one is probably the more extreme team, but this team says they'll do anything to protect their world, their universe. Mm-hmm. So but they the but middle. they set their own moral guidelines. Like the the whole story that links all this together is they expect that because of their methods, they're gonna have to fight an Avengers team at some point. So mm-hmm. the whole issue they're like discussing the strengths and weaknesses of the various teams, and then you see like that team in action. And they'll say, "Well, what about this team?" And they go through all the books. Oh, so it was. It's it's basically like a preview for the three or four different Avenger titles that are coming out. Yeah, but they're as far as I know, they're all like original stuff. So, like, it's sort of an intro, but you can still pick up the first issues, and you don't need to have read all this. But the, is there the, any kind of meat to this issue, or is it just kind of preview light? 
No, I, th I think there's some um, good setup. Like, I kind of wondered... Like, they're going to touch on some of this stuff, but I thought there was some important stuff in here that I don't know... I didn't know about what was going on, like, what's happening with the Vision. Like, he goes to visit the Scarlet Witch since he's been haunted, and something happens that I'm sure will play out in the Avengers and his own book. But I was like, wow. Like, I didn't expect that to go on in here. And the whole Squadron Supreme, they now have uh, Oracle Incorporated, which is uh, the Submariners Corporation. So there's, like, it's going to be touched on, but I thought it was interesting to be introduced to that stuff here. And you find out who all the members are and, like, what, what they're going to, why they're doing what they're doing and everything. So I was, you know, pretty interested by the one. I think I enjoyed this one more than the other one. Like, this is more in, uh, more in my range, I guess. What's the creative team? You want me to list the six creative teams? <laughs> oh, so each one has a different segment? Yeah, and, like they, the they, and I'm sure they'll have to re-letter part of it because they sort of have, like, those, the caption, like, sort of leads into the next story. Mm -hmm. So if they just want to reprint the squadron part, like they'll have to take that caption off one page and bring it back over to the other page, like if they don't want to reprint the entire story, because there's a little bit of overlap <laughs> to tie everything together. I but I don't think they usually reprint those ones, though. Well, they they did with the other. Um, they, I know they did some zeros before, and that stuff was reprinted in in the relevant. Okay, because I don't think I saw it in the trade. Yeah. But it's only like an eight-pager or something, so it's not... Reading these Avenger samples, does it seem like it's going to be kind of like Hickman's where all of them kind of tie in together, or are they completely separate? I think they're separate. Yeah. Like A-Force is one of the, the samples in here, and that doesn't seem like... That's in outer space. Like I, I guess they could cross over with like Ultimates or something, but it seems like the Squadron Supreme... Will will face off against the Ultimates more likely at some point if okay. they have to face off, because they're the like the. Well, that's a team that has a powerhouse that can uh, stand up to uh, what's his name, Hypertron. Yeah, yeah. The the A Force one has the character that was introduced in the Secret Wars, so that's like Nebula or something like that. Sing was it Singularity? Or I think that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And then they have it's it's a little strange some of these stories because, like I read the New Avengers, number one before I read this zero and this, like I think they they sort of act like you should be surprised by the reveal in the New Avengers number one, mm -hmm. but if you've already read this like you won't be as surprised which I think is fine like everyone's not gonna have have read this so. You sort of get introduced, like to that moment twice. That seems to be a problem with these kind of preview point one type books. Is it they do seem to not necessarily mesh super well always. Well, I, the I'm weird thing about the reading of it. Yeah, the new the new Avengers one is is really is really different than all the other stories because they have like a. I guess what would you would think of as a, like a foldout? Like it has four pages that are connected with Songbird in the middle. That's awesome, <laughs> but it's it just shows you scenes of future stuff. Like there's a reason in the plot to be showing you all these hints of the future, but it's not so much a story. It's more like a teaser. 
Like, the, like they say, oh, well, the American kaiju is going to be coming for the team in the future and all this other stuff. So, all these villains. But it seems like that's going to be the really wild and crazy book with all these different dimensional characters and new creatures and everything. Uh, and then your next one is uh, is the Deadpool Uncanny Avengers thing where Steve Rogers is Deadpool's handler, which is kind of strange. <laughs> but it... Uh, Steve ends up giving um, Deadpool like his Avengers identity card by the end of the story. Well, X Force taught us anything. When Deadpool has like someone like that handling him, he's pretty good at it. Like his the missions he gets. Yeah, he he sort of makes jokes about like I used to make fun of Captain America and all this stuff. So, mm-hmm. and then the Ultimates one is there's like a rip in space type of thing in there. It's like a one off. It's like I think this is the one where you you get like the flavor. It's not just a teaser. It's mm-hmm. sort of setting everything up and you know just having a a fun romp with some interdimensional bad guys. And then you you set up one thing that I'm sure will be important to the book, and then you're done. That's the only Avengers title I'm really interested in a bit. Well, I did happen to pick up Uncanny Avengers number one. If you guys would like to hear about it, what's fun about this is it's a whole wraparound cover. Oh, that's the which that's not, the, not all of them have. Yeah, isn't that the Inhumans Avengers Mutants team? Yes. Mm-hmm. And what that is is it starts with a an Inhuman guy who's again has some plant based power that wakes up and he realizes that the Earth is sick and mankind is poisoning the globe. Blah 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 blah. Uh, then it cuts to the sort of describing how they're blending these teams together, the X-Men and the Avengers. But what's weird, and then it has eight months later, and I wonder if that's where people think the eight months later comes from. But there's like no mention of Secret Wars at all in the book. Well, they've already, like they've announced that that's how it was going to be, eight months later or whatever. So this is a Jerry Duggan, which, you know, Steve will be buying this up. (laughs) Uh, Ryan Stegman, and then Richard Essenoff on color, and V.C. Clayton Cowles on lettering. So we've already setting up the bad guy, which is going to be this uh, mutant fellow. And I do like, um been a while since I've looked at Stegman, and I like his, uh, his extreme difference between, like, he features prominently muscles and then breaks off. So, like, everyone has really tiny ankles and then big calves. And then there's a little skinny bit right before the knee and the arms are the same way. Because it's sort of a Popeye effect almost. But it adds, like, a humorous touch to it. So it starts with uh, Deadpool, Captain America, who I guess is no longer on the wall, right? Did that just get dropped totally? Wasn't he supposed to be monitoring everything? That was... um. That was or that was like four continuities ago. <laughs> no, I thought didn't they have um, the Winter Soldier or something? That was oh Bucky. Took, I thought yeah. that I thought Cap was gonna do it, but because Cap's all old now. Yeah, he's a cranky old man now. It seems like. <laughs> so they have uh, Spider Man, Doctor Voodoo, Deadpool, Old Cap, Synapse. Uh, thank you, Phil. I wasn't super familiar with her. Human Torch and Rogue. So it starts with a pretty easy, they're fighting the super adaptoid, and they take care of it in short order. And at the end, Spider-Man's like, I'm not on a team with Deadpool. It's either him or me, 
and Cap is like, well, I got to stick with him. So, so he's off. Know, go good. back to being Peter Parker's bodyguard, mm-hmm. and the Torch is trying to talk him back into it, but it's no good. And again, it's the same kind of thing as the last Uncanny Avengers, where it's all about maintaining a united front. But in this instance, it turns seems to be like there's this big beef between mutants and Inhumans, which I'm not super familiar with. So I guess that's the big status quo: is mutants hate humans and humans hate mutants. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. there, there's, I think there's a good plot reason that was introduced in the point one, and I'm sure will be brought up a lot in the X Men books. So you don't so have to what... automatically hate the Inhumans, but there's there's some meta commentary it seems like going on. Yes. <laughs> Oh, and this book has a little slide at Deadpool for that. But apparently the Terrigen Mist creates a problems with the mutants. So I don't know what it is. Dr. Voodoo's kind of an interesting take. In this one, they have him sort of always haunted by ghosts wherever they're at. I think so that's... that means he can always have conversations with himself. Yeah, I think that's a continuation of uh, the Remender Uncanny Avengers uh, Dr. Voodoo take. Oh, and I also forgot that Quicksilver's part of the team to be like the resident kind of jerky guy that people are going to make fun of. I think he'll be a good foil for Deadpool as well. And the final battle is them, you know, facing off against this Jason Woodrue-esque character who's, you know, causing the the Earth to mutate and all these weird animals and plants are showing up. And he's, you know, clearly the center of it all is this his character's called the Shredded Man. Hmm. He's they're, the... they're not going to bring back Huma Sampian, are they? They might as well. I, I mean, it's <laughs> a fine device. It just feels like this whole people are poisoning the earth has kind of been well-trod ground. But eh, beats robbing a bank, I guess, you know, for your motivation. So that's it. Um, like I said, Stegman, the art team is just fun. It adds like a humorous element to it. Wouldn't be out of place in like a Mad Magazine almost. I mean, not quite that exaggerated, but I do like the uh-huh. tiny ankles and the big calves and everything. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, Uncanny Avengers number one. What have you got for us, Kevin? Wait, you have an Avengers book, don't you? New Avengers? Sure. Because it was, it was funny when you were talking about Stegman and the exaggerated artwork. Well, I, I, I was immediately thinking of uh, New Avengers because like Songbird has this like teensy tiny waist and like everyone's like hyper exaggerated and but in this one the exaggerations aren't the traditional 90s like making them look like bodybuilders or supermodel they're just kind of goofy exaggeration but you're like the guy now though andrew you're like the guy whenever we bring up an exaggeration we have to see how you like it (laughs) well who is the so who's the art team on this you're gonna do the credits I don't have it. I didn't. You don't have it. Ones I didn't. Oh, I thought you had it. No, I'm. Uh, I'm in a bit of a pickle with my LCS, so I was able to pick up some issues at the Kamikaze show this past weekend over Halloween, which was a great Stan Lee's Kamikaze. Woo-hoo. So Stan was there with his. He has this section called the museum, which is pages of original art, statues, and props. But it's real funny because they're like random pages so it was mm. like a page from cable and things like cool. that you're like stan wasn't even reading comics when this page came out but he's you know signed them all and everything 
So it's fun to look at, but I just don't know that they don't always connect to Stan. Plus, you can buy autographed Stan comics, new comics. And they had a whole rack of the new Star Wars books signed by Stan. And I'm like, so you're going to pay a print, you know, like a hundred bucks to get Chewbacca number one signed by Stan. <laughs> that's, that's an oddball <laughs> thing. It was just funny. They had this whole, like all the Star Wars ones. I mean, they had other books too, but uh, the Star Wars one struck me as like, did he ever do anything with the Star Wars books? Like, Wasn't he gone to Hollywood by then? Yeah, I don't think he wrote them or yeah. did anything with them. And much less the new ones, clearly. He did not, but it was just one of those funny. But it's a, it's a fun show, the Kamikaze. It's a little bit more pop culture based. But I did buy my first Collector Core box. They had, you didn't have to subscribe. They just had the Iron Man, the Secret Wars, and the Ant-Man. Wow. So I bought the Secret Wars one, which came with the pops for the new Thor and Miles Morales Spider-Man and a t-shirt and a comic. And it was just kind of an impulse fun buy. Yeah. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing that the they won't do those characters again, but I guess they won't do them that way. But... I've seen some of uh, the collector's core. It's like some weird character or obscure, more obscure character that they probably yeah, will do. I couldn't believe that Miles Morales hadn't been done before. Yeah. Personally. I'm like, really? He hadn't? But it was more just, like I said, an impulse kind of thing. The other thing is it also came with like a patch and a pin. So I was somewhat impressed because a lot of those boxes are filled with like stickers or yeah. a lot of just filler and i felt like a shirt a comic two pops okay the pin and the patch are kind of filler but the the, that enough was enough of a like if i was going to get a box that would be the one i would get but i'm not going to get one yet (laughs) does it remind you of the mmms there's less of the fun stuff in it i think um the mmms always seemed like it had weird letters and they sort of tried to have a faux sense of community there's none of this box is just stuff in it yeah i i just thought the patch kind of reminded me of like those type of like stamps and but anyways that was my kamikaze detour from the marvel perspective i will of course have more to say about it in the independent noise making section of our lifestyles but anyways you were going to tell me about the art team on the avengers book yes so we have uh al ewing as the writer uh geraldo sandoval as the artist, Donald Sanchez L. Marina as the color artist, and uh, your favorite as the as the letter, Joe Caramagna. Yes. So this is the, I guess if you are looking for a Thunderbolts team, maybe this is your book, because <laughs> we have a uh, Hawkeye, a Songbird, a uh, Hulkling, Wiccan, Squirrel Girl, uh, Tippy Toe, I guess, you know her squirrel. Uh, White Tiger, the new Power Man, he's still around apparently, as um, as your team. It sounds like an eclectic bunch. Yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, kind of interesting, you know, something different. And uh, this this sort of is a takeoff of uh, Hickman stuff. Where um, oh, I guess I should have mentioned <laughs> uh, Sunspot. Remember when he bought uh, Aim? So this is pretty much. Uh, like, they have a, an Avengers Island, and they're going to use AIM and all that money and save the world, basically, in uh, 
once you get into the book, they have a, a map of Avengers Island, too. And I love maps. You do. You love maps. <laughs> so they get into, like, their their mission, where their mission control is, uh, the submarine dock and the helipad and the living headquarters. And, you know, not not a cool cutaway, like in, like in, I don't know, the 60s or whenever. But still, you know, appreciated. And they have um, the agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the, the robotic dum-dum Dugan comes in to investigate them and everything because they're like, well, we don't know how we we feel about um, about AIM and everything, even though AIM is supposed to be like for the good guys, I guess. Because really, what is AIM? Just a bunch of scientists doing crazy experiments, right? Yeah, like, advanced idea mechanics. Yeah, so if they're doing stuff for the good guys or the bad guys, does it really matter that much to them? So hopefully uh, for now they're like, uh, you know, doing stuff for the good guys. But well, yeah, uh, I imagine it's just whoever finances them, I guess. So. Well, yeah, and they were bought out, so I assume that they're they're happy uh, mm-hmm. beekeepers right now. And I won't reveal the 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 big bad guy in here, but uh, it's pretty significant, and he's done something to France, and it's it seems. Uh, it seems a little weird. Like, there's some weird concepts. Like, I w- I'd imagine that something out of, uh, like, Gerber's Defenders, where, like, people are walking around with crystal heads in France, and there's some uh, wackiness that's going down like that in this issue. It's right up your alley. I think so. I think I was expecting a little more, but it is, it is intriguing that I'll, I'll, I'll definitely check out more issues. And Songbird, What's... so. Yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah, say, how was like... the... How can you not? Get How does it? she come off in it? She's good. Like I think she's like a confident leader type. So. Oh, she's the leader. There's a lot of young characters on the team, so, you know, she's she's been around. So I think they're gonna look to her for leadership. It's true. She should be the leader. Yeah. I'm also hoping for some interaction between uh, Hawkeye and Songbird about about the Thunderbolts or you know catching up. <laughs> <laughs> It feels weird to me that Hawkeye would be on that team, though. There's a reason. I don't want to give it away. He said like... there'd be spoilers. Do it. Why'd you spoil that for everyone? <laughs> you just caught me interested in it, though. And this is an Avengers book? Yeah. So, it, it's... Um... it. You know, like, how Hickman's New Avengers, like, called it New Avengers, but it was, like, Illuminati thing? Yeah. Like, this really should be called AIM or something, but they yeah, stuck New I Avengers think? on it. So it's it's the same sort of thing. It's not really an Avengers team. Although they do call it an Avengers Island, but it's not like they're sanctioned by anybody. Mm-hmm. But who's going to stop them? Well, Avengers are the new X-Men. Yeah. Well, I'm partially in, in the loop only because I picked up the unbeatable Squirrel Girl number one. So that's where I learned about Avengers Island. Uh... I didn't know which Avengers team she was on. Um, I had not been reading the other squirrel girl title and as phil noted they make fun of the fact that it's only our second number one so far this year yeah <laughs> so it's a ryan north and erica henderson colors rico renzi letters by vcs clayton cowles and i was complete like i said i'm not really super aware of squirrel girl past her ditko work of taking on dr doom so you didn't so, read that uh dance lot series where she teamed up with uh Great Lakes Avengers and all that stuff. Yeah, I like that one. I don't think I, I'm I'm vaguely aware of that. I know she was a babysitter for the Avengers for a yeah. while, but I'm not sure 
how, but I didn't know her whole current crew. And they do a nice job on the first big splash page of giving her name, her secret, you know, like little blurbs, tippy toe, Nancy Whitehead, Chipmunk Hunk, and Koi Boy, and like yeah. who they are. Read a couple so of that, and that will wear off quick. This, I didn't think I would be that into it, but one thing I really liked is at the bottom of each page, they have a little, you know, one or two lines, like a little joke sentence at the bottom. And uh, if you're doing the stopwatch test, that really improves your time. <laughs> and I kind of liked like that sort of attention, like giving you more in the middle of it. Squirrel but Girl, though, is pretty meaty, though. Like, isn't it pretty uh, wordy? Yes, but it's also – so you also have this little print at the bottom. And it's a lot of the banter between the teams. Like the opening setup is they end up – she wants to introduce her mom to her roommate. And then they find this a character called Brain Drain is an old-timey villain, although we don't get any of his... I don't know if this is his first appearance and he's fake old-timey, or he's really old-timey, but he looks like one of those sci-fi robots. And they come to a resolution with that quite convincingly, which I kind of liked. Um, and then they also throw in a, a reference to Avengers Island at the very end. And I like the... And on your map, does it have the food court there? Uh, living quarters, uh, yeah, medical facility... Oh, yeah, recreation have... center and food court. Yeah, because I like By Odin's Beer is one stand. Uh, Great Cakes, Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> and they have, so it's all these like funny names that I, I really enjoy, like those sort of silly puns. I mean, this is something I'm going to read on the Unlimited app. I don't think there's any pressure for, there, there's no need for me to own these issues. No, uh, but I, I think it's good for people that if they just want to jump into a title, they don't. Like, it doesn't need to be connected or whatever. It can just be off right. on its own. And also, if they just want something kind of goofy and funny, yeah. like one of the other ones is Foods Rich in Iron Man. Get it with a mm. comma between Iron and Waffle X program. <laughs> Soup Thor salad. Yeah, just I like that kind of goofiness, but it just doesn't seem any because of its non sort of essential time nature. And I have a subscription to the Unlimited. I just assume read it there, you know, yeah. read a big batch of this if I get a hankering. But if that's that kind of goofy silliness is your thing, certainly it's, you know, younger age, although there is violence in it. So I don't know how young, but it seems like it's a good, like, I'm glad they have a kind of goofy, fun book. Even if it's not something I'm going to buy, they should have a mix of titles. But one title I wanted to get, which I saw you did and I didn't, I need to find is uh, Iron Man. Oh yes, the infamous Iron Man that I wasn't gonna buy. <laughs> uh, no, it 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 was uh, it was enjoyable. Like I guess it exceeded my expectations, and I sh maybe I shouldn't have had low expectations, you know. Well, Iron Man's very hit and miss. Yeah, but I don't know. I've enjoyed a lot of modern Iron Man stuff. It's just well, I... yeah. I guess it's gotten better, but overall, I wouldn't say it has the best track record. I don't know. Like, it, it's had rough periods like any title has had. Like but... I, I still have no story that I, I can say, like, is an Iron Man story that I really enjoy. Oh, well, I, I like the, when he's, like, Armor Wars or whatever so type of stuff. Or he's fighting. The modern stuff was good. <laughs> <laughs> or he's coming up with, or, you know, Madame Mask is around or, you know, the the the, the classic stuff. I was just scared in this, in that Invincible Iron Man would go into the stuff I didn't enjoy, like how his parents aren't really his parents anymore, 
Well, I imagine. Well, that was a different writer that went a little extreme, I think. Yeah, like they have a caption where they mention that in here, but it is not the focus of the story at all. Mm-hmm. Like they've slimmed down the armor now, so it doesn't. It's not. It was getting increasing, increasingly complex, and and he had like hundreds of armors. Now he just has a a more of a transformer armor where he it like all those armors are within one armor. Oh, I don't like. I like the space armor and the underwater armor and. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. It's all in one. <laughs> well, I, I guess it makes sense that he would eventually get to that point because anyone can pretty much have his original armors now. But this is uh, the the writer is Brian Michael Bendis. The artist is David Marquez. Uh, the cover artist is Justin Ponser. And then we have Clayton Cowles for uh, letterer and production. I think Clayton Cowles might have succeeded joe caramagna in volume of titles lettered at this point (laughs) well he gets production here too i don't know what that would be but he's doing more so this is the if if we were gonna have a meter that tells you uh if there's spoilers for uh like a cooler meter if there's if there's spoilers for secret wars uh that you want to steer clear of uh yeah this this there's kind of a a made thing that happens towards the end of this issue <laughs> it, it got me interested though so this issue has uh basically two stories like you have the the villainous madame mask plot where she's uh gets a mysterious box and there's light coming out of it people will say pulp fiction and i'll say kiss me deadly because that's that's where the light box <laughs> thing i think about or i don't know it could be a, a cosmic cube or who knows what it is but she gets a mysterious box, and she's after mysterious stuff. And then Tony has this um, new AI. And I always, <laughs> for some reason, like whenever you're reading something, you get flashes of other things, like uh, previous stories or different takes on things. This AI is kind of like in 2099, where uh, Miguel uh, O'Hara had oh. that Elijah Yeah. Thing. So he started talking to this AI. That's... So he has like the Jarvis from the movie, basically. So they they get into like uh, Tony's dating life. Like he he's not the the action part of the story. Like Madame Mask is basically in the action part. But of course, Tony eventually suits up and ends up somewhere. Why not? But it but uh, yeah, I was pretty impressed. Like I like the Marquez as the artist, and his stuff looks really nice here. So I don't know if I'll continue with this book because I know there's so many books, but and there's a second Iron Man coming out. Which one appeals to you more? I don't know what the second one's about, and they'll, they'll probably cross over at some point. So I'm thinking a definite Marvel so unlimited. An Iron read. Man book crossing over? I don't know. Oh yeah, I guess they do do that. Yeah, but he's sort of like the figurehead of Marvel after he started the Marvel modern. No, don't say that. Marvel Studios Revolution. Uh, never. No way. I think Marvel, first thing I think of is Spider-Man. Still? I do too. Even after like all the movies like that and everything? Because the movies there... don't influence me as much, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man's the flagship of Marvel. Mm-hmm. And then agree. after that, I think of like Hulk, Wolverine. Like They pop in my head. Captain America. Way be- Iron Man's like so low down the list. I think I, would... I just think of generic Avengers after. Wow. <laughs> after Spidey. 
You think of uh, triathlon. Fantastic Four. That's high up for me. Silver Claw. No, just the just basically like the whole Thor, Iron Man, Wasp, Hank Pym, like the the core. Nobody remembers Wasp. That's who I think of when I think of Nick's, and then probably it's then the X Men. I've never. I, was, I know this is heresy, but I've read lots of Fantastic Four, but they were never really my particular jam. So they were. That was Whoa. the first comic I ever read was the stack of Fantastic Fours. So. Wow. That's it, why they're a little up there for me. Don't let Fantastic Foresights hear you say that. What's that? I just never liked the outfits. <laughs> when I was a little kid, you know, I wanted to read Super... You know, I liked Spider-Man and Batman and things that had colorful Captain America. But, like, the Fantastic Four, if you're a little kid, it's not visually... Really? See, for me, it was. Like, for me, just the human torch and the thing, like, they, they, uh, they were... They were cool. But at the same time, they're very basic. It's just a fireball and a rock, basically. Yeah, but, the, yeah, but you I can tell that... they're coming out of the out of the monster comics and everything. Like... Yeah, true. But when I was six, I wasn't maybe as cognizant of all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I, can, <laughs> I, I can... didn't quite have the history of the, of comics under my belt than I did. So, <laughs> you know, I just wanted colors and whatever. And I was just yeah, looking at the pictures at that point when I got those. But uh, speaking of Spider-Man, I have Spider-Man 2099. Is he in yeah. this time? No. No. No! I know! That, that's what I'm interested in, that he's in 2099. Yeah. I want to see that world. Uh, I, you, you get to see it in the previous run, but it's like all destroyed. And I'm like, well, there mm-hmm. we go again. And this is, it's a return of Peter David Will Sliney. I don't know if it's the same colorist, Frank DeMarta. And VCs Corey Pettit for letterer, but um, we've I think I've gone around with Steve about Will Sliney. Um, he is a skilled artist, but his artwork never seems to. He leaves a lot of real estate, and I think the colorist needs to be paired like a certain way. And I don't know; it just never pops to me in the right way. That's what so I would exactly say. And his artwork just doesn't pop. It is kind of that thick, bold line that makes things stand out. But I think he needs more detail or, I don't know, like a weird colorist or just something to kind of uh, shock it up. (laughs) Shock, get it? But basically, he's set in our time. And the problem is uh, the future is destroyed, so he has a portal to the future. But he's trying to figure out how to fix the current time so the future isn't wrecked. And so he's working for Parker Industries, and he's kind of on his own. And so he goes on American Ninja Warrior type show. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's a obstacle course type show. Or and he, you know, kicks the obstacle courses. But so you're but saying just like American me... Gladiators? Yeah, and it just makes me think that in the Marvel universe, that show must not mean anything. <laughs> like in a world where people can, yeah. It, also, wouldn't you just assume everyone's like a mutant or whatever that does yeah. well? You know, like it just seems like it's yeah, wouldn't cancel have the same. Olympics. Well, wouldn't wouldn't arcade be like running this game show or something? Yeah, it just seems like that's it's, a good idea. I, I know they want to put it, put the Marvel world in our world, but it just doesn't seem to make any. It doesn't have much relevance, I think, because it would be a yeah a no, different right. world. And um, yeah, so he's trying to figure out what exactly he can do because you know alchemex they're still fighting with but he feels like he stopped it we also have the 
you guys may remember the Captain America woman, the woman Captain America that's like a robot, Roberta. You guys are reading the current no, I don't Secret Wars tie-in one that has like the 2099 team and all that. I did read that. that. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. I don't. Yeah, remember. I remember the Lady Captain America one. I remember her, but she wasn't a robot, was she? I th- no, she's I not a robot. The, oh, she's no. not, but she acts like a, like she transforms. Well, it's because so she was mind. She was controlled. Uh, yeah, to me, that makes a drug on her. But she wasn't a robot. To Andrew, that makes you a robot. Hey, robots have more personality than she does. But basically, so he's like, I'm not going to be a superhero. Mm-hmm. I got my lady, and I'm just going to spend First issue, her. and he's quitting already. <laughs> yeah. And then it ends on a big... Uh, Suit in the garbage note. can? No. Oh. But that's uh, Spider-Man 2099. Um, I, again, I think this is going to be a good one for me on the, uh, on the Unlimited app. Mm-hmm. It's the... Well, I love Spider-Man. I don't mean to pick on Sliney and DeMardo. The the, the Armada, mm-hmm. but I mean it just doesn't doesn't resonate with me. Well, it has to be in the two hundred nine universe, otherwise there's no point in having that book. Because why not do something different? Like they have all these Spider Man books now, these different Spider characters. So give us a different setting, you know. I agree. I think that would liven it up. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if they're afraid of having too many books out of the continent. Because even Squirrel Girl was tied into the Avengers because she goes to Avengers Island. Yeah, because that's the type of book that should be out of continuity. But I'm with you. You put Spider-Man 2099 in some mm-hmm. Just to give us something weird different. world. Although at this point, 2099 is getting scary closer. Well, <laughs> I, thought, I thought they were always building up that maestro. Like That's where I thought he was going to end up was 2099. He did. Oh, he did? In the but, previous run, there was a story with some of that stuff. Well, they, I thought they were teasing to this big, big storyline, though, or something. But I guess that's the champions now. Of the, yeah, the, well, that, yeah, that's the the place you would just, go. Which is kind of let, let down for me. So we had to uh, continue heading in the spider direction? Or So, wait, didn't the Spider-Man book have this big change, though, that everyone was complaining about? People just uh, the complain. fact that it cost five ninety nine, I think, is what everyone was complaining about. Or maybe it was more Dan Slott, I think, just because they wanted someone else. Yeah, well, I, I can totally understand that. Even though I'm enjoying it, I, I can totally see someone saying, yeah, give someone else a chance at the wheel. But mm-hmm. there is going to be another Spider-Man book anyways. But yeah, oversized and action-packed, and took me a long time to read Amazing Spider-Man number one. Mm-hmm. Now, and do you have this one, Andrew? I do. This is uh, Dan Slott, Giuseppe Camancoli, inker Cam Smith, colorist Mart Gracia, and uh, whoa, where's where's a VC lettering? Joe Caramagna. For a second, I got lost. Alex Ross cover. He's fine. I'm not a big. I like Alex Ross, all right, but he doesn't really fire my engines up the way I think. I know some people think he's. Well, at least he just does the covers, though. Yeah. I, I thought this would be a good one to to uh, discuss, and I really enjoyed this one too. Yeah, I like the Spider. The it sets the new status quo of Peter oh, Parker as Steve Jobs, basically with Parker Industries being. Well, I thought it was more like he went international Apple. or something. Like, isn't he kind of like that Batman book incorporated or whatever? I don't think he. I think though it's not like generic 
in a sense, but it's not generic people. Like I think yeah. they're all people we know. They're not introducing mm-hmm. a bunch of new scab Spider-Man. It's all like this is how they can have, you know, Silk and Spider-Man 2099 and all these characters tied in together stuff yeah yeah but the big thing is the sort of steve jobs tony stark type role yeah he's a poor man's tony stark now he doesn't he doesn't oh is he still poor no but i just you know it's like someone will say oh well he like norman osborne he's the poor man's lex luther you know something Mm -hmm. like that but yeah i think batman incorporated was was more about putting a bunch of batmans like everywhere in the globe and this is more like peter just Getting it together after uh, everything that happened in Superior, and actually thinking that, hey, yeah, I, I can actually have a company and go places. Mm-hmm. And uh, the return of the Spider Mobile. Yes. Although it doesn't look as cool as it used to. <laughs> no. Well, it should not look like it used to. <laughs> that would not work nowadays. I'm sorry, Phil. You don't appreciate good design. <laughs> it's not that. It's just like, look at how weird that would look. All right, I'll give you that. It might look a little unusual. And then he just crashes it into like the his, bay. I never liked his little flashlight thing either. So like, Whoa. What? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That always kind of bugged me. That was awesome. Maybe it was the artist that did it sometimes, but... Uh... Yeah, you didn't like Ditko. I didn't Whoa, say... Phil. I didn't say getting... that. <laughs> I said that. But he's got the uh, underarm webs again. Although these are a bit more exaggerated. Those I like. And um, Mockingbird's new outfit seems you know, odd. Yeah, I like Mockingbird here, but I kind of like the her modern redesign before this costume. Yeah, this one didn't do much for me. What colors is she now? Is she still like the blue and white or black well, and white? It's a black and white with like yellow, gold trim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a really big mask. And then other than that, it looks like a jumpsuit. I, I feel like Steve's prophetic words about the movie and TV kind of ruining some of the design mm-hmm. might become oh, more and more true. Yep. Well, it has been for years now. Ever since Marvel movies got big, it's been leaking into comics, and for me, in a bad way. Yeah, I don't like that. But the thing I thought he did a good, good job of is he kind of resets the table. Like, I had forgotten... A lot of these Parker industry buffoons. And so he introduces <laughs> them and brings them back and sets it up. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And so I don't remember if these were ones that went on before. But they do make a poor man's Tony Stark. Because the point is he's reinvests his money into back into the community and the Uncle Ben well, that's Foundation. The he's not in it to be a millionaire. He's in it yeah. to yeah. actually help people. So that's the difference between him and Tony. What I find so, find is interesting with him being successful too is how much can you alter the Spider-Man formula without him not becoming Spider-Man? Like I think all the, well, most of the essential elements are here for Spider-Man. Like you can remove certain things or change certain things temporarily, and it still works. Like my, I guess my Peter Parker wouldn't be like a sad sack that always loses. So if one thing goes right for him, like his company, and everything else is often it's on its own thing. Like I'm fine with that. Like I expect like some other stuff to go on eventually, where he like loses the company or or there's another evolution in this idea. Well, the other thing is they can have other sad sacks. Yeah, you know where I'm going. The sad sack that shows up in this one. One of my I have a little toy on my desk. The Prowler. 
<laughs> you know, is uh, is contracted out. He's one of the Spider Men, so he shows up, and that guy is definitely a sad sack. You know, I just had read that original story where he's in the Spider Man costume for Spidey to protect uh, Peter's identity. Like I had just read that a couple months ago in the Masterworks, and then it's like you see him here in the Spider Man costume again, and I'm like, wow. Like, I don't... <laughs> it's just kind of interesting. It, it pulled from moments like that. And they bring back... Um, what about Puma? Lots of... They bring back Puma? No. Not yet, but... Uh, uh, the the little... Uh, Anna, Anna Maria Mar- Marconi, the Dr. Octopus's love interest from the, the run, is brought back along with the living brain. Yeah, it's just... Like, some of these characters I'd forgotten and some I'd remembered, but... It was good to have it come back and wrap back again. And then the back of it is five little mini stories with different creative teams sort of sampling the Spider-Man universe. So 2099. I think this story looks better than some of the main title, by the way. Hmm. Um, I was going to say this 2099 intro. Like, remember they did one of these these book uh, oversized books for the last Amazing Spider-Man number one? And I didn't like yeah. the 299 story, but I thought this one was better and intrigued me about his main book, like his status quo. I was like, whoa, if, if that's where they're going, like that sounds more interesting than the previous title. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought this one, I thought this execution, this four pages came off better than the actual first issue did, hmm. which is rare. Yeah. Considering it's the same team and everything. I also thought you would have liked the the Breaking Bad one, which is the Robbie Thompson Stacy Lee uh, <laughs> Silk story, because it felt very anime to me. I also kind of style. Yeah, I also liked it because it it, it uh, pulled at one of those threads from um, the Goblin Nation story. So I was like, yeah, someone's using that. But I'm always wary of the Black Cat stuff. Like, it's okay, I guess here, but I'm I'm just like I don't know. Some of that is just weird. Well, the What to Expect story, that's the Dennis Hopeless Javier Rodriguez was important because I didn't remember who was Spider-Woman currently. I don't blame you. It's confusing. White Rabbit? Walrus? Well, those are the villains, but I couldn't remember which Spider-Woman we were on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's been so many of them. I'm like, wait, is this Julia Carpenter? Is this the other one? Yeah. And I did not like the... So she's pregnant and talking with Captain Marvel up in space. Yeah. And she runs into, as you point out, the classic, I do like the white rabbit a lot. <laughs> and she's, but she's still pregnant. So it's fun yeah. watching her take out those guys on the phone while talking to them. The white rabbit is kind of badass. You're going to start having dreams about her. <laughs> but this is a, yeah, this is a Jessica Drew. I believe, right, Kevin? Yes. The pregnant. Although, yeah. This is probably then, where the the eighth month month thing uh, also comes from because she's pregnant, so mm-hmm. they don't have to do that whole weird Marvel time or however many issues she's going to be pregnant. <laughs> like she's already know, far along. Do we know who the dad is? No. Or if there was I mean, a I dad, assume we'll find out in you know if we read Spider Woman number one. I presume, but... Um, not too long ago, she was with Hawkeye. Like, it's not a really a big break in between whoever she had a kid with. Maybe it's Hawkeye. Could be. That's not how a superhero would act. 
she should be married first. <laughs> this, this is modern Phil. society, Phil. <laughs> Phil, always the moral prude. Yes. <laughs> and then the other one I liked that I'm that I might be getting is Church and Quantum State. Mike Costa, David Baldion, Scott Hanna, Jason Keith, Joe Caramania letters, and that's our Spider Verse characters from 2099, which means it's Peter Parker. Yay! All right. And also Indian Spider Man, English Spider Man, Spider Gwen. And, the uh, English one, that's the punk rocker? 1920s Spider-Man. The, the one Spider-Man noir. No, I think that would no, be he's... punk Spider-Man if it was the English one. It would be punk. No, this is a, a William Braddock, which is assumed from the Braddock family like Captain Marvel. Okay. And they're time traveling. And they take on a 1600s version of the Sinister Six. Mm. What do they call them? The Sinister Sextet. So I guess there's, but there's like a Mysterio analog and a Carnage analog. Like, mm-hmm. and then, so what they're doing is going into universes that lost their Spider-Man and cleaning up the universe. So and that's going to be the Web Warriors book. That, that's going to save the universe, getting rid of Spider-Man's small-time crooks. Yeah, well, it's just an excuse to put this wacky like, team together. That Spider-Man. Has no- has awesome bad guys, but they're not really destroy the world, you know. Type oh, no, but the point is they're looking out for the little guy. Like, Spider-Man's always been about helping out the little guy. Like beating so up the ox? These... Okay, so they save that universe for one week. <laughs> Are they yeah, gonna... and they gotta go so it'll be a never-ending series of... Mm-hmm. And what I assume they'll also is a visit their home universes as well, because yeah. it gives little numbers, and so the multiverse is still around and everything, like... I think there but must be because they're I thought it was really going to these different to time travel in the Marvel universe. They said no more. Oh, this isn't time traveling. This is alternate universe jumping. <laughs> it's true. They though. make it clear that they're going to like because when they introduce them, it's like William Braddock Earth eight three three, Gwen Stacy Earth sixty five, Peter Porker Earth eight three one one. So that's what they're, you know. So I assume this sixteen oh two was probably some other. We're on some other Earth, and they're just going That's to... That's just slow down oh, time. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Miles Morales gets an appearance in the... You know, because he's an important Spider-Man, and he's going to mm-hmm. apparently be folded into our uh, 617, or whatever the hell this one yeah, is. Yeah, which I'm excited about. Slot and Gage, which seems like two writers for a five-page story, seems a lot. Paco Diaz and Israel Silva... With Joe Caramagna lettering that. And he takes on the ox. And I was also unaware of his shocking power. Speaking of Spider-Man 29, Kevin, Phil, you guys read Miles Morales, right? Yep. Well, he, has a, he has an electrical power? Yes, correct. Yeah. I'm, I'm still waiting for them to put out that Miles Omnibus any day now. Well, I got the first one. Or is this a new one? A new type where it's everything. Because I got I got one soft cover, which is like the first twelve issues plus the mini Spider Man Spider Man one. Yeah, but I I want a hardcover to go with my Peter Parker Ultimate on uh, oh, okay. hardcovers. And then the but, end of the uh, whole. If we were gonna go on a on um, spoilers for Secret Wars, well, uh, this last little bit here, it, it kind of uh, kind of maybe in the middle of the coolometer there. I, it's not really a because that storyline wrapped up, but it yeah, brings it, the same villain. Well, I wouldn't say it's really like it's not the main series, but there is Ooh. some some stuff. Who? 
the uh, villain, uh, the regent villain. Uh, from the I didn't, I didn't like Klaus. He was okay. I I I love the Spider-Man Secret Wars one, but I don't know if I was too big on him though. He's definitely powerful. He's a threat. He's going to be a hard right. threat. Yeah. Or were you, uh, Kevin, referring to the very last stage, the Anthony Holden, Jordi Belair, two-page little strip, the Spider's Corner with PDP? That was awesome. Can I see more of this? Yeah, it is a fun return because <laughs> yeah. we, we're reading those in the Thunderbolt segment. They have the ones by um, Chris. Uh... Some action in LA today. <laughs> Yeah, they're all coming to get me. But they always had those, like, the little Nathan, little Franklin ones and stuff. Yeah. It's similar in that vein. But this is Peter Parker having trouble. In his, uh, so it's one of those type of joke strips. Yeah. I thought this was pretty good. And it's not something you were expecting to see in here. And it's not the, no. and it's something that's going to go anywhere, I assume. But maybe well, we'll I see mean, more of it some other time. It's certainly better than two pages of text, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying you hate letter pages? You hate novels? I'm not a big letter pages guy, to be honest with you. I don't mind them, but a lot of times I skip them. I used to like them in the olden days, but nowadays I don't read them at all. It seems like like now with email. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if someone took the time to write the letter and address it and stamp it, it seems like more work than just dashing off an angry email. How about the Uncanny Inhumans number one with Charles Soule? So this is, um, I like McNiffin. The problem is his designs are kind of way too practical. And we're, yeah. like he puts Black Bolt in the stupid Captain America body armor. But which, I really enjoy when he does the insides of a comic, though. Yeah, yeah, like he's really good. In ta- I just don't like those that... Um, that kind of design, but anyways, it starts with Black Bolt. I don't a uh, Triton. Those are two I know. Reader is an Inhuman. I don't know Reader. Uh, I haven't been following. So they're going back in time thirteen thousand years ago because Black Bolt had Kang put his son in the old Inhuman capital from thirteen thousand so years ago. Time traveling, right? And he's trying to spring his kid. But he made a deal with Kang that the city belongs to Kang, and so he can't get his thing. So every time they go, they trigger a time trap that Kang set up. Oh, nice. So Kang's so, going to be in the first storyline. That's awesome. Yes. And then the other faction is with Medusa. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones running around rescuing new Inhumans and trying to put on a positive face. You know, like they're, they're like the uncanny Avengers version. Like they're the, hey, yep. Inhumans are good. We're helping people. The other one's more like the kingdom. Like is all, all he right. cares about is his people kind of thing. Yeah, is his kid and getting that yeah. back. So those two segments sort of run concurrently. We do find out that Medusa has a new love interest. And those of you that are aware of the Fantastic Four, yeah, know it's a little weird to me. Who that is? Just because the whole like, crystal, the crystal thing. Yeah. Like, like, doesn't he? What does he date every Inhuman chick, Johnny? He everybody. So, um, and then in the new Adelan, which is where Medusa is, there's, um, Gorgons there and they're training the new Inhumans to try and, you know, again, rescue new ones. And there's a SWAT team that's put on rescuing a bunch of those. 
so crystals involved and so it's all that kind of political situation of you know the inhumans are the new mutants basically of the world so they're the new bad guys with that terrigen mist floating around that kevin once wrapped up but as phil says kang's always worth a couple of yucks yeah so mm-hmm. and it's not like he's an overused villain either. no i like Kang. no so that's good and that's uh inhumans number one that kevin, sounds you, uh yeah, interesting to me yeah yeah yeah. i think the having the two factions go at it mm-hmm. it's a good balance i just wish mcniven would be more fantastical in his comic book designs like, go crazy, man. It doesn't have to be body armor. It could be... Stop trolling him. <laughs> Wait, is he trolling me or am I trolling him? All right, where do you want to go, Kevin? Can we match up with another book? <laughs> sure. All right, let's do the, the one that's radioactive then. Spider-Gwen. And this is another one that seems like we really need a reboot, but everybody yeah. gets a new number one because it's yeah. uh, Jason Latour, Robbie Rodriguez. I don't know if Rico Renzi... And Colors and Clayton Cowles were the same team, but, yep. you know, it's mostly the same. It feels like. Yeah, it feels like it's the same thing. Is it continuing right where it left off? Pretty much. You, you yeah. Were that, yeah. yeah, like, it seems like the Marvel could label, and maybe they have the, the previous volume, like Volume Zero. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are doing that, I believe. Because that's what Howard the Duck was. It was uh, Volume Zero. But, yeah, if you, if you liked the book before, like, this is... This is more of the same, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, and also it's moved past the her dad going against her storyline. Yeah. Which I could see had its points, but it also is like, okay, that was fun for a while, but we've, you know, it's time to move past that. But she's still very much the Peter Parker on the outside. I also really like the coloring in here. Like, it's, it's different than your standard book. Like, there's a lot of bright colors, and there's pinks and purples, and... Blues. It, it kind of reminds me of the like golden age comics. Like, like, like that's how it's colored. Like, really bright. Yes, like, and also um, because a lot of times the backgrounds are kind of sparse or faded out, they'll just put a re- weird color in it, which yeah. I like. Also, like that it ends with an Ohatmu page for her, so you can get her full, like her full background and everything, which is totally cool. Like, here's a character that hasn't been around that long, so it doesn't have ridiculous continuity issues. And they can just lay it out. So I like, I don't know, for some reason, the aesthetics of this one. I mean, I'll totally check out the Miles Morales one, too. But for me, being in the Ultimate Universe was a real albatross that was a a barrier to me jumping into that. Which isn't really fair, but, well, there you go. Life isn't fair. How about um, Angela, Queen of Hell, number one? With uh, Marguerite Bennett, Kim Jacinto, Israel Silva, main story artist and color artist. Stephanie Hands doing the sub-story artist. Again, that was sort of like the 1602 book or whatever, the Secret Wars one. It's a lot of the similar creative people on that. Yeah. Uh, this one is um, Angela takes over from uh, Hela, the Norse god of the dead. And the artwork, as always, is beautiful, just like that other book. My problem with this one is, I think I'm the only one of us that got it, was um, it shifts in kind of tone a little bit. Like, it's perfectly, it's kind of set up to be like a big, Angela's like a big kind of overarching gods and goddesses and hell and angels and all that. But they shoehorn a few pop culture references Mm. that I think just don't like a Beyonce reference. Like she says it? Well, she doesn't, but her her consort, her girlfriend. You know, the whole thing is is, is about her 
hooking up with her with her girlfriend Sarah S E R A. Like that's kind of the big story. And I understand. I just feel like it doesn't like if this was Deadpool or something, it would mesh. But like mm-hmm. dropping in a Beyonce reference makes me just go like it throws me like I think they should shoot this one for the moon. You know what I mean? Like obs- let yourself get dissolved in the fantasy. Uh, don't tie it down to those kind of references. Now that's just me. Other people may be like, "Hey, I don't want it to be too serious." But like, I think you know, just and don't get Beyonce. <laughs> that could, well, it's also like she's describing the different regions of hell, like the West Wing. Like, it's pretty chill. No Taco Tuesdays and no Wi-Fi. But and I'm like, you have this fantastic element. You don't need to cut it back with kind of modern references so mm-hmm. much. Like, I would like totally be absorbed in. Kind of like the Weird World book. I don't know if you guys are reading that. Well, Secret see, that's the big problem here is that everything's having the same setting. When this is a chance once again to be in a new setting. Right. Well, it is a new setting in a way, but they want to bring in these references that mm-hmm. I think don't, like, just keep me in this crazy world of Angela and Hal mm-hmm. and all this If we other don't stuff. need to relate to all the characters. Yeah. We don't need to be those kind of pop culture things. I always feel like it locks it in into a time or whatever uh, so reading old comics i find that never bugs me like as some... long as it's something you get you know like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really bother me some stuff you're just like it goes over your head and you're like i don't get the the cultural reference or even like yeah Seinfeld's i didn't know like what grape ape was for years until after a bunch of comics you know what what was grape ape i missed it you never <laughs> saw that show because i remember there was the spider-man makes this reference to the algonquin meeting where the mobsters got shot or something in one that I didn't know I had to look up. But like I said, for some heroes, Spider-Man and Deadpool, it seems appropriate. Like if Thor was busting off, like, man, I really like Diana Ross and the Supremes or whatever. It just wouldn't feel, unless you're going for that fish out of water thing. But I just think Angela, with the art and the rest of the story, like, I know those are pretty pedantic little nitpicks, but it's just got like that fantastical feel. And I don't want them to run away from that. Like, it's this epic love story set in across hell and death and all this other stuff. We don't need, in my opinion, those references. But I think the two arts work well, the two different art, like the inset, the Stephanie Hand stuff. I have a feeling the problem is because she does the painting. I just don't, I imagine that she maybe can't do a book a month or something. I'm not sure why. I mean, yeah, I think they complement each other. And I think, you know, it's no knock against... Kimmy Sinto and Israel Silva, I like them too, but and they work well together. But obviously, the painted stuff is just that stuff is just killer. You know what I mean? Like whenever they paint the comics, it really, it really works out, and that's like the middle segment in this. But anyways, I think if you're the 1602 or whatever that current one is, that's the same creative team. That's a lot of the feel of this book, so that's a good barometer. I mean, it's not the same setting, obviously, but if you like that. Check this one out. If you like that, try this. All right, Kevin, what's next? I think I've already brought up Doctor Strange on the previous Marvel Noise, but a title this good, I guess, deserves uh, another mansion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Aaron and Macalo and uh, Doctor Strange. I do like that now they're putting him... This feels like it could also maybe not be super connected to the other books, which I like. Yeah. And I also like the idea that he really inhabits a different world and he sees things differently. Did the Midnight Suns show up? <laughs> no, but uh, a new group shows up at this bar that only a magicians can go to. Mm-hmm. 
I always like those type of places, like the bars that only the supernatural characters get into and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, they have Doctor Voodoo, Scarlet Witch, and uh, Shaman. So, There's your Alpha Flight. For yeah, you. so I'm, I'm <laughs> like, wow, an Alpha Flight uh, character is here and getting a lot of respect. He's retired now. Although at this at this time, isn't Shaman? Isn't it his daughter? Well, yeah, be, his uh... granddaughter. <laughs> But I, I can't keep up with continuity, but I'm like, shouldn't that have been his daughter? I, I well, don't even know. a girl know. took over for a while, one of his relatives. Yeah, yeah. I forget if it reverted back or, like, the last time we saw them or not. And but he, it also sets up. So it has a small story, but it sets up this idea yeah. that there's some kind of big bad guy who's stomping magic in different dimensions, which has kind of been a theme for the last five or six years in Marvel. They like these ones where they start in other universes. I like that. I think they're trying to sell them to me. I like the different universe stuff. Yeah, well, it it adds a way to add, like, this is really bad. Like, things are going bad and give raise the stakes quickly. Well, that's the thing, yeah, because things can go bad then. It's a different universe. They can do things that they can't do with the proper one. And as uh, Kevin, you noted, I do love the all the crazy uh, Ditko stuff in the beginning. Although that makes me so sad. I mean, no offense to the art team, but you're never going to top that, man. No, they're trying. They'll keep trying. I'm reading some of those stories right now, and, man, he gets a lot of phone calls, and he goes to a lot of different worlds, like, almost, like, every issue. Yeah. It just, I don't know. There's something about the Ditko's unreal dimensions that are... I certainly think they picked the right artist for this book. Like, you need something that's a little different. Not uh, not yeah, no. clean like the like the panels are the borders are broken up or there's things hanging around the edges and behind and everything like that. Also, he might be the one character that's not overly musculatured or anything. I like you know how I mean? his they don't... his um, little cloak cape thing is sort of swirling around like it has a life of its own too. Yeah, yeah, and also they do the kind of color around it a little bit like it's not exactly in the borders, yeah. which also gives it kind of. Interesting. Yeah, I think all in all, the art team, it just, you know, you see Steve Ditko in the beginning, and you're just like, oh, man, I miss Steve. And then you're like, oh, he's got another Kickstarter coming up. What if he returned to Doctor Strange for an issue? Would you, would you just, like, lose it? I would be so stoked. <laughs> I don't care what. The, they could put, like, a $50 price tag on it. Like, <laughs> I would buy it. I mean, think about that. Like, with the modern coloring. I mean, they'd have to give him a look. He's an old guy. But they could give him, like, an annual or something. Or he you could do a I flashback mean? sequence. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. That'd be crazy or what? But now you're just teasing me. I know. I know. Sorry. They, it's not, it's not something that's going to happen. But no. don't those guys at the in the in the backup story with the, um, the Kevin Nolan uh, artwork there, it looks like they're, like, like orb-like dudes. Like, Jason Aaron likes the orb. <laughs> He does. We know he does. I like the orb too. Ain't nothing wrong with the orb. But um, yeah, they they have that kind of. That's the setup of the other dimensions being. There's this anti magic coalition that's wiping out all. And obviously that's setting up with Doctor Strange. Yeah, I had that giant size Marvel treasury with the orb. That dude's freaky when he's not got that helmet on. Hmm. But speaking of the orb. How about Guardians of the Galaxy number one? With the new Star-Lord. With Brian Michael Bendis, Valerie Shikti. 
I don't know. Um, I apologize. Richard Asanoff and VCs Corey Pettit on letters. And this is uh, Guardians. And this has uh, Bashful Benji's join the Guardians. Much like after the, one of the other Secret Wars. He's <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that. God bless Marvel for returning to their roots. But this has uh, Kitty Pride, Star-Lord, Drax, Rocket, Groot, uh, Venom. And then Gamora joins the squad. And Star-Lord, the old Peter Quill, has taken over as head of the, uh, you know, he's he's in, he's in charge now. He's took he's over. He's the new his, king. Uh, his, his uh, father's, um, what do you call Empire. it? Empire. Yeah. The planet Spartex. So he is unhappy being stuck in that. And the new Guardians appear to be their ship, which is basically looks like the old Autobot jet fire. They uh, have stolen this item, this powerful artifact. They have some funny jokes about it. Mendes can write some cute jokes, but it's a lot of a lot of panels to get to his jokes. That's uh, the beauty of it. So do you but like this uh, Guardians number one like better than the other Guardians number one that uh, what was that like two years ago that that. Uh... Recovered. Oh, who can remember that far long ago? <laughs> I thought it was a like a fun light. Like I also feel like I'm more up to date on. Like I didn't know that Kitty was the new star or whatever, but I well, feel like and I she know should these have characters. powers still because she got these cosmic powers from the Black Vortex and Groot kept them. Uh, as far as I know, all the other characters kept them. Gamora still has her cosmic powers. So yeah, yeah, she can. I mean, she's she, powered too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She uh, phases through. And it destroys their, uh, their the ship. The no, Chitari but she has ship. cosmic powers. Like she's like a god, almost like a demigod. Uh, I don't. They all they get all that, got but... uh, they all got. That's why Groot looks different now, like with the lights and everything. That's because uh, the cosmic powers he got, and also uh, Grimora. That's why she has the stars all over her costume when you see her. I don't think uh, this Groot seem doesn't seem to have lights all over him. Well, he's just he looks like he has more armor, doesn't he? If I remember correctly, I did get. It looks like he's got kind of weird little dread dreadlocks on. Yeah, him. like that's part of it too. Yeah. Okay. Like but, if um, you like if you see Groot drawn a lot now, like he's it's more like the Black Vortex version, and I think the Angel from the New X Men even he kept his powers too. Well, the art is um, while it's well executed, I'll say on some of the panels towards the back, there isn't as much detail. I don't know if that's a stylistic choice or just uh, mm-hmm. like right before the end, there's a panel with like six of them and it's really small, but like some of the faces are pretty, there's not a lot put into it before they face the big bad that ends the issue. Uh, they face Hala, who's a character I don't remember either. I really that, need to read planet? all this Guardian stuff. The Greek planet? Uh, the, no, it's, uh, they're bringing in characters from Secret Wars also, the Nowhere series there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I read that. Her oh, that's the uh, yeah, her and the other guy. Remember the guy from the bar? They fought the big. Oh powerful. yeah, yeah. He's coming in too, eventually. Oh, that'll be nice. And um, yeah, so I would say if you like Bendis, this seems like it's right in the, you know, the kind of witty dialogue, well, it's, lots it's, of reaction. It's more of the same, panels. just a bit of a different team. But yeah. otherwise, it's more of the same than what we were getting before. The the thing is though, I feel like with Star Lord gone now, like I feel like they need one more team member just to like complete that team well like, then i felt like something was missing yeah but still though i don't know they need someone like i love that things on it venom like so i like I. how it's a mixed up team but I really uh, like i think uh i really like benji and i'm glad he's in a book and can be yeah. featured like another female member would be nice 
because it's Maybe all else pretty much. Yeah, like Mantis again could be good. Moon Dragon. Some... Yeah. Uh, she's still dead, I'm pretty sure. Uh, what about Captain Marvel? I mean, the other Captain well, Marvel. Well, Either one of them. Well, one of them's already been on the team, and she's kind of on and off still, I'm pretty sure. The one yeah, from Annihilation. Time. But I like how they bring in Earth heroes now, too, though. But as long as they don't overdo it, but a new cosmic character would be nice. Warlock. I don't know why, but, like, Guardians will never be as good as it used to be, I guess. Like, I don't like this new movie team, really. But at the same time, it's one of the Marvel comics that I'll probably collect. Because at the same time, I don't know. It's not the greatest, but like you say, there once in a while you get a little laugh. or It's just nice having yeah. a cosmic book to read. Yeah, you enjoy checking in with those characters. Yeah. Well, I guess all that's left for us to team up on is the controversial book. What, Captain America being Captain America? Yeah, this is the one that sparked all the, the, the Nick Spencer, Daniel Acuna, yeah. Joe Caramagna book that got everyone all worked up on social media. Yeah, and I was like, again? It's always the Captain America book. Why, because it's Sam Wilson still? No, this is because cause Captain America, well, usually when I always think of Captain America, I always think of that um, Frank Miller born again you know, Cap represents, like, the dream, not necessarily his government. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when he he goes against certain things, they say, that's not my Captain America or whatever. That's dumb. Yeah. Wait, I thought it was because uh, he has D-Man as a sidekick. Yeah, well, you see D-Man's been hitting the gym. That is more interesting. Yeah. Holy man, D-Man, I remember he was overweight, he had mental problems, now he's yeah. he's like has armor, he's all buff well, and everything. No, I'm like, D-Man, if I remember correctly, D-Man has his moments, it's just he's, most of the time he's screwed up and down on his luck. Yeah. Yeah. I think when, when he's cleaned up, I think he could kick some ass. This well, is he was like in that... Secret Wars, the, the New Year Vows. It's oh, like yeah, that, it's, um... well, yeah, that's right. Eh? Yeah, he got captured pretty early in that, I think. Eh? Or, or dissected. The other thing I don't know is like... So Misty Knight is dating him? They say it's complicated? Like, what happened to Danny? I want Misty to stay with Danny. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, that's true, eh? People get around. <laughs> it's, it's a Marvel Universe. But yeah, Misty was in the previous uh, Remender Captain America run, so I'm not surprised that she's sticking around. Oh, but, I love the character. Yeah. But I don't want her just to be like the... No, but it's like you say, yeah. Side piece. Yeah, I mean, she's her own person. But remember she had, like, that phantom pregnancy and all that weird stuff going on in the... Some of that we forget. Yeah, you better <laughs> do. Maybe not on accident. <laughs> I like how the Kappa hotline from the Grunewald uh, run is, is back as well. I refuse to. Yeah, so the, the storyline is basically Cap Falcon Cap, to make Phil happy, is no longer going to be a government stooge like Captain like Steve Rogers ever was. But anyways, so he's lost his ties with a lot of these people. And he's going to set up on his own and do what he thinks is right. So he has a hotline set up to call right to him. So the whole thing is Cap doesn't have any money anymore, even though he knows all these, like Tony Stark wouldn't lend him a bunch of money or anything like that. You know, <laughs> it just seemed like an odd forced crisis. Like he knows like all these Cap. rich dudes. Like somebody's not going to hook him up somehow. But anyways, it puts him under compromised resources. But it's he, D-Man, and Misty are the three-person team. They're sort of on the outs with S.H.I.E.L.D. How about who? Red Wing. Red Wing. He doesn't count. 
Okay. No, there's a there's a hilarious thing in this story where it says Red Wings approval ratings are ninety seven percent, and yes. he's like, yeah. Everyone likes Red Wing. <laughs> yeah. So Cap basically gets political a little bit because he's like, oh, Steve Rogers never got political, but he gives a whole address to the nation saying that we need to be more tolerant and. I, I don't. Some of this, like, let's. Sounds boring. Yeah, That's that part I could have done without. I mean, if I want politics, I'll read the cap where he almost thinks about running for president. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the kind of cap level of politics. Like, I don't want to try to drop it in the real world because we're not in the real world. Like, it just points out the hostility. Well, basically, the um, sons of the serpent are now getting into the border disputes. And so that's where the politics of the situation comes up because they're basically like, uh, hey, you know, they're not doing anything wrong. And he's like, they're vigilantes. And they're like, you're a vigilante. You know, why is my vigilante correct? I think you're going to get a lot of politics in this book, though, because he's Captain America that will stand up to the politicians more than Cap would. Well, not just that, but then it ends with Steve Rogers, who everyone has to write like a jerk. Yeah. So Steve Rogers is now from S.H.I.E.L.D. saying, I order you to stand down. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like no one read those Caps from the 80s where Cap actually quit. Steve quit being Cap. for Like, he's always followed his conscience. He's not just some... Mm-hmm. It's like well, everyone, like, uh, ever since Civil, Civil War. War yeah, that, Civil yeah. War is a perfect yeah, example. He followed his conscience. Yeah. They've decided yeah. that Cap has to be written like some kind of jerk or whatever. Like, no, Civil War wasn't written like a jerk. He was written like the hero. I, I Iron thought he Man was still kind of jerky about no, it. Wait, Iron, Iron Man no. was bigger jerk. Iron, Iron Man was the villain. I don't know. I thought Cap he was the best because he stood up for the small people. Yeah, yeah the, like, like Cap, Cap wasn't going to go along with S.H.I.E.L.D. And he's like, well, Hunt Cap, you need to register. Day. And Cap's like, no way. I'm out of here. And then he jumps out of the helicarrier and through the glass. And you're just like, way Cap to go, Cap. I just think that Cap maybe could have found a way that didn't involve all that violence. That's all I'm saying. Cap should be Bucky right now, and I think Falcon should be Falcon, because he's awesome as a Falcon. Well, I do like my approval for Red Wing is still 97%. (laughs) I don't know, it it seemed like, like some of the stuff, yeah, was a a little like, like really, but it it seems like a a, a thing some of the media would jump up on, like, hey, I'm quitting S.H.I.E.L.D. So then they're like, well, you must be anti-American then, and then he's like, what? That's not what this is about at all. Well, I think it was the whole discussion about the people that are anti-immigration people. You know, they, we have uh, people that patrol our borders. I mean, they, they're not the sons of the serpent. I think that was the problem, was they're characterizing anybody that's patrolling the border as being like a well-known Marvel group of baddies. I think that was where people were like, oh, come on, man. You remember that um, Punisher War Journal story that was sort of like that, too? But in those instances, I weren't the bad guys actually really bad? Like, in this case, the Sons of Serpent, they're not killing them. They're just stopping them from coming in, and that's the point, is, like, at what level does it rise to? Like, I don't remember that story, but I would imagine it's a Punisher book, so I'm sure they were abusing and torturing them and everything. Well, there's nothing to, to say that the, the Sons of the Serpent aren't going to be doing that in the second issue. That's true, but it just, they I think it would have been better had they... Had they portrayed it that way, I think they would have had less controversy. Now, I don't know that they didn't want controversy. You know what I mean? Like that that kind of attention sells books. So I don't. But I think if they had portrayed it more like that, there'd be less because then no one would be able to defend them. You know what I mean? 
I think but so. in this way, he towed the line to, I think, make it more to invite that controversy, which is his right. I mean, they can write Captain America however they are, but I'm I'm just like, come on. I would rather they leave the politics out of it as much as possible. If there's a place for something like that, I think it would be in the Captain America book. Why? <laughs> but I, I, it's just because he's not going to be always pro-government, so... Or pro whatever it's you know so that that's where I, I think sometimes these things show up and I'm like yeah I'm all right with that like it's not like I don't know, I think it would be more out of place with a different character. I can see that it just feels like it's not needed. Like it felt like a bit of kind of like I want something controversial that'll get people. I felt to me like they were inviting it more than they were having to say something else and then also then that way they can make captain steve rogers be like the old get off my lawn captain America, well, who just see, does what the government wants see that's what i don't understand like but we have no reason like i'm like oh like i i don't know why like steve rogers cranky with the with the cane showing up at the end of the issue like i have no idea why he would want to say you're you stand down and i'm gonna arrest you yeah and, and all that. Like, I guess I would have to read the second issue. Maybe there's some logical thing out of this. But, like, I think that's a that's a crazy thing. Like, I'm just like, what? That's the part I think that was also with me. Because also, they were, like, partners for a long time. Yeah. Like, they were a good team. Like, well, so yeah, I, they should get along perfectly. That's why he took over as Captain America, too. You know, like, they should, they should have no problems with each other. Yeah, or I always think Steve would give him the benefit of a doubt or whatever. Yeah. But I'm... But I, I, I obviously don't know like what's gonna happen in the next issue, so maybe they'll they'll get around or it'll just be weird like some of the other stuff you thought was a little you know. Yeah, I just I don't know. I'm I'm not super thrilled with how I don't like like I feel like Cap comes off as a jerk in too many books. Cap not Sam Wilson, but Steve Rogers Cap comes yeah. off as kind of a jerk in a lot of books and I just don't I have a lot of fondness. I think anybody that read that title in the eighties knows that he's like kind of a He's America's uh, sweetheart. Yeah. Well, I, I think Roberts. the same the same thing happened when Brubaker's cap run when they had like the people that were supposed to be like the tea party and oh, then yeah. people I got never, upset. I never thought it got too politicky in Brubaker's run. Well, it, they had the same controversy in in the in the Brubaker run, so not the same story, but you know, they went to a, a small town in America and you can fill in the blanks. I mean, I guess if you want to, I don't know, I just feel like superhero comics are not the, like, if you want to have some nuanced immigration discussion, maybe a guy in red and white pajamas that beats people up isn't the forum to <laughs> to uh, express those things. But we'll see. I'm kind of, that and the Misty Knight thing, I'm like, mm, I don't want her just to be some girlfriend or whatever, you know? Like, she's Misty Knight. She could never run her own book, for criminy's sake. Maybe she's up to something. <laughs> Maybe she's a scroll. We are due for scrolls again soon. <laughs> it's funny they actually showed up in the in the point one. Oh, did they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The 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 um, squadron supreme was actually beating up some scrolls. Okay. Yeah. Weird monsters. I'm really surprised, Kevin. You didn't get Howling Commandos of Shield number one. I, I looked at it today and I'm like, oh, I missed that the other week. But you know, too many books. I wanted to pick up the Vision book. Uh, Howling Commandos of Shield number one. This is uh, Brent Schoonover and Nick Filardi on the cover, and uh, Joe Caramagna is the uh, letterer. Always important to give love to him. Nick Filardi the the art, the color. Brent Schoonover the art. Frank Barbieri the writer. And this is uh, 
I can see why you were a little hesitant on this. I know you're trying to ignore the Dum Dum Dugan is an LMD, yeah. and they really hammer you with it, this book, oh. page after page of him coming to grips with that. But basically, it's um, S.H.I.E.L.D. put together a squad, a monster squad. Like they did a few years by, ago. <laughs> headed by Dum Dum with zombie Jasper Sitwell, Manphibian, a lady vampire by night, Orgo, Man Thing, Hit Monkey, and Teen Abomination. Hit Monkey. And so, so they're basically almost like a Dirty Dozen style, you know, expendables. So they're sent into this situation to recover this thing. And it's just, you know, a little monkey with three guns, <laughs> two in each hand, and then his feet firing one. And he was a build a figure. And, and, you know, Man Thing just kicking ass and. Uh, he's the heavy weapon they Man bring in. kicking ass? He doesn't really kick ass, though. Well, anything that knows fear. They burn, baby. So, burn. so he, he burns innocent ass. people? He's more just there. So we, Well, they're not people. They're these monsters. Oh, okay. They, it's, a, it's a situation on a tanker with this rare artifact, and they send him in. But the problem is uh, zombie Jasper Sitwell is not has, like, no brains and <laughs> keeps screwing up. I don't think he's going to be on the team for the long Is that run. the uh, Marvel zombie one that had the f- couple miniseries? In fact, he may have blown himself up. I'm not, no, he, I think he's okay. It's a little tough to tell. But yeah, he's uh, he developed some mental problems. Oh, but, but Dugan's like, at the end, he's like, hey, this mission may not have worked because they end up blowing up the idol, but you know, this team's going to happen. I'm going to make it happen. Dum Dum Dugan's here. The Howling Commanders will go. And then, so it's a one and done that tells the whole story and sets up one page has another one with the you know the next bunch of monsters that go so if you like weird monster fighting monsters i think this book would be for you you know presuming you like brent schoonover's art well yeah he's a good artist yeah i mean i'm I'm fine with it but if you know someone might be like no so i thought maybe someone i thought they might go with like a bacalo type on this one but it's kind of fun seeing schoonover's very sort of I don't want to say realistic, but more clearly defined style with all these monster characters. And I think it'll be neat as they develop them. I don't, I'm not super familiar with a lot of these characters, so they're all neat ones. I mean, I don't know anything about zombie Sitwell. I remember him non-zombified. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Man-Thing and Dum-Dum are probably the two I'm most aware of. But yeah, it's a fun, like it's everything you would imagine from the title. Anyways, it's a fun book. I'll be reading it, but I'm not... And then our last book is Karnak. Oh, this right, is Karnak. Karnak. Warren Ellis and Gerardo Zafino and Dan Brown on colors and Clayton Cowles doing the letters. I, I believe our host talked about it uh, last episode. Does this live oh, up to Moon Knight? Um, it's pretty much, uh, well, it's not Declan Chauvey, so the extent that he is someone you prefer to this artist or you prefer this artist to the other one. This one uses a lot of tone-like effects. Or maybe that's the colorist applying that. But as you guys know, I'm a sucker for that. But it's super similar. It's the guy that's super competent at kicking ass, but not super relatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, going in and kicking ass and not being su- and being weird. Like, uh, kind of like Puck, maybe? I would say um, less verbose. It reminds me a lot of the Moon Knight book. It's, again, the same kind of... Mm-hmm. The guy that's been through so much weird stuff, he's no longer... He, he's kind of super detached from the world with his own perspective, but he's super great at kicking ass. But he's not boastful. You know, he doesn't talk a lot of shit about it. I mean, he says a few creepy things, but he's not 
run around boasting in every panel I'm the best at what I do. But he is basically an inhuman ass-kicking machine. Yeah. Not just because he's inhuman, but inhuman as an adjective as well. Not as a proper noun. Karnak is the one with the... Uh, uses his fists. He's the one that can Karate spot chops. any flaw. Yes. Anything, right. yes. Yeah. So that allows him to torture people and destroy things. And he runs this religious That is sect. a pretty good power to it is. have if you're a good fighter. That focuses on, like, the insignificance of human life they stare at big granite rocks and the, the last thousands of years where you know each individual's life is meaningless and short so he takes money from shield to do these missions to support his philosophy his church Uh oh you know what that means if shield showed up that means when alice is off the book it's gonna start looking like the shield show karnak probably it could very yeah yeah, like Karnak or any real Inhuman's going to get on the show. I he thought Karnak was like... on the show. No, Lash is on the show. Oh. He doesn't look like Karnak, like the real Karnak. He looks like Green Arrow version of Karnak. I thought he looked like Blogger Doom on the promo image before. I mean, he wears like a green hoodie. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not... I mean, that fits the style of it. Like I said, the kind of mystic ass kicker from... Who's just going to show up and take no prisoners type of thing. But I really, I mean, I think the art works. I like that kind of, like I said, all the tone and the wash appearances and everything. But the character design, I'm less like, great. They gave him like the homeless dude kind of hoodie with a bunch of lines painted on his face. Like the original Karnak design is a Kirby classic. But I guess that's not good enough for some people. I guess they're just better than Kirby. Uh I think you needed a bit of an update. You're, you're going to start updating all the Kirbys. Yeah, I mean, why, you know, like, he's dead, right? Who cares what he did? <laughs> hey. So, Like you say, you don't like outdated things, right? Yeah, but that's <laughs> not outdated. That's classic and forever. It is. What could possibly be outdated about? I mean, they just went and changed, all, like, Black Bolt now wears body armor for some ridiculous reason. You, you can't improve on that Black Bolt. No, that's Black not Bolt's his costume in, for the movie. I'll just be like, oh, that's unfortunate. Well, they'll probably add weird glowy lines all over him or something. You know? Yeah, probably like Thanos. Like like he, needs, type of thing. he needs the yeah. seams. So those are some all new, all different. Maybe some of them aren't so all different number ones. Yeah, and if you Hopefully stuck with that. us that long, uh, congratulations. Did we keep it under a Thunderbolts episode like you promised? <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on the other hand, we covered a lot more issues than we do in that. There goes our night. <laughs> we covered like what, the fifteen, sixteen issues or something. It was a lot. But uh, in the meantime, until uh, Super Steve is resurrected, uh, keep making mine Marvel. We won't know till February. Later. <laughs> listeners thanks for tuning in we bring you a special episode segment of your favorite thunderbolts coverage but this time it's citizen v and the v battalion the everlasting what for issue mini that we've been teasing for so many segments yes you thought you got rid of us but we're still here still reading early 2000s comics 
And by we, I mean myself, Andrew the L.A. Rabbit. You guys know me. I'm part of the other segments and also part of Indie Comic Book Noise. And I'm joined along with WWX Kev up in Canada. All right. And, of course, we wouldn't be complete without the Grandmaster of all ceremonies, whose bunker was mysteriously transported to Battle World, Super Steve. Hey, I couldn't uh, let the episode go without jumping on, so... Woohoo! Well, I hope everyone was able to handle the marathon number ones, but we're going to a very special number one. As I said, Citizen V and the V Battalion, the Everlasting. Now, as a refresher... We're going back over the old Thunderbolt series. For myself, it is a my first time exposure. Kevin, a purported longtime Thunderbolts fan, and Steve, somewhere in the middle. Steve, did you read this series when it came out? No, <laughs> nope. I, I had been off the regular title and uh, didn't jump back on until after the Fight Club stuff and when it uh, Grummet came on and the march towards uh, issue one hundred, which is one of the sections of the book I really wanted to revisit remembering the genus stuff and all that and that's one of the main reasons I wanted to come back and do these thunderbolts but we're never going to get there <laughs> I want to uh, get there Kevin did you uh, buy this these fresh off the rack I bought these 475 Canadian uh, issues yes I did Whoa! So all right well hopefully 475 uh... Canadian there <laughs> yeah. it is right on the price tag yeah ouch i know the prices are like on these issues are back to the prices they are today and i'm like wow that's kind of it's kind of weird do they just print more money up there if you need it though i, I guess you would <laughs> probably press like more more coins the loonies and toonies series looked really good on the shelves though with the mike diodato covers that were you know unitone just black and white yeah, yeah I'm, no I'm, kidding i'm kind of surprised by these covers now because like on Secret Wars or I guess some of the um, Rubik stuff. Like I, I'm like, and look at those pencils. I, I guess I, <laughs> you know, you don't usually see that. And I was looking at these covers, and I'm like, it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Little ink wash make goes a long way. Yeah, I don't. Know, I guess I'm, that? you know, I see old things and they they come back again, and then you know, you you don't. It's not the regular, and then you're you're surprised all over again. <laughs> so why what? Citizen V and the V Battalion? What's the deal here? Why why is this not Thunderbolts? Why is what are we doing? Because there are a bunch of yahoos that chase down uh, war criminals without the Thunderbolts. <laughs> That's a good as answer, Annie. It's a spin-off <laughs> from the Thunderbolts, right? That these guys are have been set up in the subplots of Thunderbolts and uh as more of their story needed to be uh expanded upon, they've gone off a couple of times into a limited series. This was the second or the third one, maybe? The second one, but this the has uh, nothing to do with the Thunderbolts. Like, this is pretty much them on their own and maybe hoping for another series? Or And Citizen V is like a legacy character. He's an agent of the V Battalion. And in the back of the first of these issues, since there's no letters coming in on the letters page yet, the editors whipped up a uh, cast, you know, roll call almost little um, encyclopedic entries uh, letting you know where these characters all came from. But the description of the V Battalion is fantastic, describing that they're out of Simkiria, which is, we know, as being Silver Sable's, you know, land. And 
their operation is to hunt down Nazi war criminals. Well, surprise, so is the V Battalion. They're this big covert operation, and they uh, are basically um, self-perpetuating. They're set up with these different branches, science and weaponry and um, civilian investment uh, like fund management people to keep money coming in so that they can support their operations. And they're about 250 strong and they are legendary since World War II, um, kind of working behind the scenes to um, right the wrongs uh, globally that they see, you know, needing to be righted. They smite those who need to be smoten. And they're made up of this inner circle of ex golden age heroes or the descendant of ex golden age heroes which is really cool what i also like is that if you had been loyally following along thunderbolts there's really it's all characters they had introduced there so it didn't open up the door like i was a little bit nervous that they were we'd only seen like half of the fee battalion and they were going to have you know 12 different councils and all this stuff but they really keep it to that core group we'd already met they do break down some of their operations and everything, which was helpful. But I was really glad it wasn't like this extra, you know, 20 more characters from the Golden Age that we had to find out about. Right. And they even add in the reporter uh, author <laughs> girl with the glasses. So you kind of get to see more of, well, what's the deal with her staying with the V Battalion? Well, now you kind of get to know. And our um, creative team on this on this series is going to be Fabian Nicienza, which is no surprise. Uh, Louis LaRosa and Jim Royal. Now, um, a lot well, of you may be thinking Louis LaRosa is known, you know, he's come back with some of the Valiant books and worked on Punisher Max and had that really detailed style. Something happened with the coloring or something. <laughs> this, to me, doesn't look like the Louis LaRosa that I'm more modernly familiar with. I don't know if you boys are in the same boat or not. But yeah, I, I don't found know. The, if it was I the... found the style jumping around. I saw. I, I thought some pages almost looked like I was looking at a, a like almost like a Mark Texera type style um, in some of the poses and things. And then some of the pages, it was looking like Mark Bagley. And some of the, I mean, it was it very much jumped around. Um, some of the pages looked like Stuart Immonen. I don't know if that was a function of where LaRosa was at his time in his career or if that's what he was giving the editors what they wanted or if he was just playing around with different ways of, you know, depicting heroic action. But, yeah, it's pretty inconsistent and, and uh, pretty weak in some places. Yeah, yeah I was, was... just going to say, if if you pull the pages online that I was looking, some really he did some really nice work just in a lot of other books. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to see him on the Valiant books after... I guess I hadn't seen him on anything in many years. Maybe the last time was the Citizen V. Some of the pages look like um, Jim Califore. You don't but, have that kind of a look. What's with the one page in the first issue, though, where it looks like Citizen V's mask is like more like a piece of glass that's glued onto his face? Like yeah, There's some weird. just yeah. really awkward stuff sometimes. Felt like it was, yeah, that they were kind of all over the place. Which, uh, But there was some interesting stuff here, which I think underlines also the story in itself is sort of an interesting idea but it jumps all over the place literally in time and space to kind of give it more of a scope and i yeah, thought it, at times it, it didn't maybe always work out but i guess we should work I mean, it, issue it, by issue 
anyway, it helped once I realized, and it, it wasn't until like the third issue that I realized. Then I went back and looked at the second issue, and then I understood it a little better because I actually hadn't noticed um, at my own fault that the date was right on in the beginning. But each issue opens with a flashback. So like that helped. Like once I realized, okay, that's what's going on. Like the first part of each issue, the first scene like is a, is a flashback scene. I, so, I mean, part of the fun, because re- I read it all at once, I would have much preferred if they had just told it in order. But I guess coming out issue by issue maybe Kev's better to speak to this it works better split up if you're reading it issue by issue Kevin yeah I find it like it was enjoyable and it's putting you in a, a different uh, headspace every time and it, and the, the plot sort of deals with time jumping and immortals and everything anyway so it, but to me it felt almost like you wanted to have some kind of twist or surprise and there just wasn't really there was nothing in there. There wasn't any sixth sense kind of turn or anything. It was. Well, I guess it I mean, was supposed it's... to grab you with like the first page of each issue. Like one issue is like all the Golden Age heroes, and another one someone's holding up a mask, or it's like a character you might know from the X Men, or something to sort of like grab hold of you and keep you reading. Well, let's keep our listeners listening. Hopefully, it, uh, as a. As was noted, it starts out with a flashback. In this case, it's post-World War II, where good old Union Jack is getting put in the ground. Uh, Original. Due to a, a car accident. And we see the V Battalion is there. Oh, and The son of the you original. Know, what does that mean for the V Battalion? And obviously, spoiler, they're going to keep going on in case you were worried <laughs> that it ended in 1953. And it also talks about the Citizen V legacy character, as Steve said, the current one. Is uh, Paulette Brzee, a lady citizen V. The mother of the seen. current citizen V. And the uh, uh, grandmother, I believe, he mentions, because he says something about, well, how come I'm fighting this dude that my grandmother fought? Oh, gotcha. Or yeah. killed. And still so, in and, the World War II outfit, not in the modern right. costume. And she's I... off kidnapping scientists like uh, V would do. Go on, Steve. Just in the reference to the rest of the Marvel Universe, I like the idea of tying together um, Captain Britain's, I mean, not uh, Captain Britain, um, Jack, uh, uh, Union Jack's money with the V Battalion. They have yeah, Lord nice Fal- that... Fallsworth, you know, revealing that he's not only helping fund um, the V Battalion, but he's a major source of funding that they're worried about losing because of the death of Union Jack. And it does seem like they're really... But, well, this whole the Thunderbolts itself was sort of birthed in the idea of mining for Marvel's rich history and sort of pulling the elements together, and I think that does work here. What's also yeah. refreshing is you see a swastika with the Nazis, and it hasn't been <laughs> rebranded to be Hydra, <laughs> and a scalpel right next to it. <laughs> Not good. No. So the this one of the, I guess it would be the second Citizen V. And trying to get the scientist, the scientist is killed by this mysterious figure. And then we jump to today, and the current Citizen V, with the weird faceplate, as Kevin noted, has the very same figure. And they're like, how could this happen? You know, like, how can he be fighting the same guy that was killed back well, in the day? What's kind of fun about... Knight. about yeah, <laughs> he does have a certain uh, sort of... The, the kind of headdress looks yeah. very much like that. 
Yeah, he's like a Aladdin type. I was concerned. I'm like, oh, oh no, we're gonna have to continue this ongoing joke, but it's okay. So what happens? The backdrop is the V Battalion and Citizen V are stopping. There's an increase uptick in the violence in Bosnia. That's where they're at, and it's the um, the Flag Smasher group, which I always really liked from the Cap because the bad guys wear berets but are still kick ass, you know, <laughs> like, and they have the white and black uniforms, and so they're sort of mucking around trying to figure out what what's what's why is this happening and they're being supplied by oracle so you know they want to get down and figure that out and oracle. we may remember oracle is jim hammond but before that it was namor yeah. oracle, yes. oracle was formed when john Byrne started the namor um series where namor funded this uh philanthropy organization um by um swimming around and, and pulling up like tr- treasures from under the sea. Cause he knows where all the, <laughs> you know, where all the bodies are buried. Right. So, um, he's pulling up treasures and starts this whole big organization. And then when he, uh, retired from running it, uh, because he grew a lot of facial hair and, uh, Jay Lee started drawing them. Um, uh, and who was the other Sean McManus? Then they turned it over to Jim Hammond, and then he was the head of Oracle. And then when the book ended, he wasn't. And that's the timeline we're in here now, where he's not the head of Oracle anymore. So now Oracle's into some funny business, and we want to make sure it's not becoming the new Roxxon or something. And Jim Hammond is, of course... The Human Torch. The original. The original yes. Human Torch, yeah. The robot yeah, where... who, as soon as he yeah. touches oxygen, bursts into flames. I like, too, that you get work. to see a lot of uh, Citizen V's, um, you know, toys in this first issue. You get to see his little V-shaped um, tracer, and you get to see his V-wing thing. <laughs> well, he's a little Bond. His glider. Yes. He's, uh, before he can kill or permanently capture this mysterious bad guy, a... Um... A force just so fast you can't even, it's a blur on the page, scoops up the bad guy and whisks him off. But not before, as Steve said, he's able to attach his uh, spider tracer. I mean, V tracer. Chops his sword right in half, too. You see that? Hassan Chop. For those of you that are fans of the Warner Brothers show, yes. And so, but they are able to track the signal. And that's where you get all the backdrop of this. But the other thing tonal thing that's important to remember is that um, uh, the, the head guy Roger Aubrey who we saw at that funeral in the beginning is like super bitter and really just a killjoy and for a guy hell bent to preserve peace he'll contemplate any sort of heinous action and he's sort of offset by the other original and the legacy members of the counselor there kind of as a counterbalance because you get the feeling they intimate quickly that he would do anything to reach his goal and well, he's tough we have he was our... the destroyer you know yeah he was the headstrong one even back in the day but i mean that that's almost turned to kind of not just headstrong but because here he's shown to be calculating he's also oh, just yeah. angry well what happens when the destroyer gets old and cranky he needs uh some flowers or candy <laughs> basket or something and as steve noted andrea sturman was our psychiatrist author and she sort of provides a kind of running commentary. And she sort of gets off on being in the inner circle. You know, she likes this. She's like, yeah, I wouldn't leave. I love it here. All this intrigue, these power people. 
and also being on the cool ship, which we've talked about before, which is this kind of sort of cross meets boomerang combination. Hmm. Well, you know, it's those liquid gel screens. They're, they're really yeah. they're really big. And lots of them. Yeah. So they track the signal down, and the signal leads right to China, and they uh, hint at some past experience where it didn't go well in China. And then you see a full-page ad for the Mike Grell, Michael Ryan Iron Man, which has <laughs> also, some You know what's cool, too, is coloring. that even though they're in the war room and discussing all this big stuff, they still have time to be sipping hot chocolate. <laughs> a little Claremont hot chocolate right there. Well, you know, you got to take time for what you enjoy, Steve. And it can't always be hot tea with the Brits. Well, that, yeah, uh, it, that's the thing. The old guard, they, they've, you know, they've moved on, but, but uh, Citizen V still has time to stop and, and, in this case, you know, sip the roses. So we end on a double-page spread where the Citizen V looking out at China, like the, looks like, you know, the Forbidden City type section on a thoroughfare and everyone's on the ground how, he, how about um, that for a mark texiera um pose on that double yeah. page spread right <laughs> yeah i mean come on everyone's dead what yeah, everyone in china is dead all those things all over the ground they're people yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I'll, I'll take citizen v's word for it but um yeah yeah it's interesting so that was our first issue bam yeah, I like Flag Smasher probably because uh, he had he had some different ideas. Like he's not just a generic takeover of <laughs> the world. He's just like, oh, I have a, you know, I'm gonna do this this weird thing with the world. And then you're like, oh yeah, okay, that's a little different than than everyone else. I don't think he ever accomplished his goal, but it certainly puts him uh, to be, uh, you know, butting heads with everyone. Hmm. Well, in this one, they make him a little more real politique i guess we'll get to that when we get to that in a two continues our same creative team and our flashback opens up with uh everyone's favorite x-men baddie oh shadow king amal Sha- farouk uh, but at this, at, at this point it's b- either before or after the shadow king possessed him right it's 71 so it's it, it do they I don't recall them actually suggesting that he's possessed at this point or if he's just the strong telepath that he was. Yeah, he just has the powers. Yeah. I think we need someone with more X-Men to give us an exact answer. <laughs> well, too bad there's nobody like that associated with Marvel notes. <laughs> I know my X-Men. Come on now. Oh, all right. The, that was a flashback issue when you had Professor X fighting Farouk. They they always do that in every cartoon, like one episode. It's like Xavier or Emma Frost or whoever fighting the Shadow King on... Sure. What I really like is the awesome um, manifestation of what Citizen V is that Farouk pulls out of Citizen V's head. There's a design, you just get one panel of it, and he's like pointing a gun out, and he's got his sword down, and his... um, his headdress is more like a boomerang, like a John Byrne exactly. version of boomerang. <laughs> but look at the costume. It's cool. It's like uh, the Abnett and Lanning um, Star-Lord almost. Uh, very cool looking. I was thinking of Star Trek costumes too. Yeah, sure. And so, so here Farouk we... is meeting with, uh, with the original uh, Citizen V, right? This is, the, this is in the last issue. It was the grandma. This is the next generation. Okay. 
So this um, is the dad. All right. Yeah. And so he is indicating that they're fighting that organization we saw representative of last time. And um, they want the telepath to do the search. And all he gets is the name Marduk, which Roger right. is very unhappy with. And you see them building the uh, Vanguard at the time. Yeah. Because, you know, this is 73. Because otherwise, the only point of these flashbacks is basically to show that this other organization has, it has been around for a long time and that they've been a thorn in the V Battalion side and that all along the V Battalion hasn't been able to get much more than a name. And even that was 30 years ago, right? Right. Oh, I guess I should make one correction. Our creative team is not just Royal, but uh, good old Scott Koblish and yep. Udon Studios. So a three-team three thinking, which makes me a little bit nervous. When you're this, when you're on three anchors on the second issue. You, uh-huh. you kind of think that maybe the production schedule wasn't, wasn't, you know, this is, the, this is the, Marvel of the time. The, yeah. The, the, and I don't think this was one of the top selling or top well-known books out of the whole lineup at the time either. Yeah, that is odd. Um, but anyways, we get right to, well, it turns out that our last ending was a fake out. Oh, they're not everyone's dead, they're leaving. just sleeping. <laughs> But they look a lot more like people on the close-up. <laughs> but that's cool. I mean, if this is a Bond-like adventure, to have the big um, villain's weapon be something that puts a whole country's worth of people to sleep, uh, you know, that's that's a uh, end game worth you know fighting to make sure it doesn't get you know fall into the wrong hands. Yes, and what they notice is the little the bad guy is running away, and then what's happening is the the steam team, as they call their scientific geeks, their geek squad, they found out that the energy is actually being channeled and drained. Into the Sandman? Oh, yeah, yeah. If only. And it creates a big thumph, and it was 80 feet tall. It looks like the Sandman. (laughs) But it's fleshy. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's the Collective Man. You guys remember the Collective Man? Oh, that's right. We're in China. And so this device allows him to, he's pulling on, you know, what, a, a billion people or whatever. So that's a lot of collective juice. In fact, it's so desperate that they're going to do something that they hardly ever do, and that's send the entire council out. Mm-hmm. So we're talking Nuclo and, you know, Topspin and Goldfire. And I remember Nuclo back when he was the slow-minded guy. I hadn't seen him much since that. But these other ones are just straight-up legacy. Yeah, and but they the murder was, one of these new characters. Yeah, it doesn't go well. The the legacy, the Sunfire style Amico. character. Yeah, <sighs> she just gets wiped out by his breath alone. Yep. His, the collective breath of everyone in China. Woo! A lot of garlic. <laughs> and so oh, that's when Roger's like, oh my God, it was, a, you know, pull back, pull back. But you want to know who's not going to pull back? Citizen V. Citizen V. He's like, I'm going to take care of this guy. He'll be ours in 10 seconds. Okay, okay 20, seconds. 20 seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> 40, 40 seconds? I like this that he time, gets the warning of the incoming yeah. bogey this time, though, and he manages to use some leverage to redirect that flash of light that came in. How he knew it was something solid that to deal with, I don't know, because it surely seemed almost like a laser 
previously, but he does. He manages to find um, the head of the comet, so to speak, and uh, redirect it so that it doesn't. It's not the Deus Ex uh, Machina to to save this uh, Aladdin guy again. Yeah, it's the a cat. I think I'm sure I'm not pronouncing this correctly, but that's the guy they're chasing after. And it turns out the woman that was the cannonballing the way in is this kind of sultry looking princess chick with dark hair and dark skin and bare strategically covered with a necklace (laughs) (laughs) tattoos but she scrambles out but in the meantime she's not able to take a cat with her so this is when the book gets kind of dark where they got to decide what you know they get to the machine that's helping the absorbing man but it's too damaged to reverse the process so they're bringing back to study so, yeah. but if this keeps going, all those people are going to die. Yeah, if the collective That's man keeps absorbing everyone's essence from China and beyond, um, it's going to get global. It's going to be a huge problem. So, one thought would be to cut his supply off. So they're going to start wiping out people, so that he doesn't have people to draw on their collective, you know, life force. And Roger even evilly suggests speeding up the process. Before they get to that, he's like, hey, maybe... And I'm like, whoa, he's just going to kill all of China beforehand? I mean, at least the, the way you said makes sense, Steve, in the beginning, that ominous panel where he's like, billions would die. I wonder if we might actually find a way to speed up the process. <laughs> was the one where I'm like, whoa, <laughs> hey now. He, he, was, he was crazy like a fox. But so, Citizen V... Uh, wants to go in like you know against all odds and be like well give me the one chance uh you know give one one man can make a difference sort of business and he literally gets dropped off it reminded me of like the video i've seen of like those big wave riders uh the big the surfers who ride their big giant waves and they have to get they have to get towed in right by, by a jet ski mm-hmm. to, to match the otherwise they would just get destroyed um, and similarly he gets like towed in and and, and dropped off and uh, he decides that another way to deal with a villain who you know there's three ways to deal with with a villain who's absorbing stuff right you can cut off his supply which would be kill the people in China you can overload him right so that he gets so big beyond his capacity oh no i never dreamed i could be this powerful and he has that one moment of grandeur and then you know blows up or whatever or you could do what citizen v does which decides he's going to pop the bubble it seems like he gets a whole bunch of upgrades that i'd never heard of his 10 second gravimetric field that can protect him from someone whose breath evaporated a woman and his adamantium cover. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, talk about a improved equipment. Yeah, maybe that, they didn't want to give him that equipment when uh, Baron Zemo was in his noggin. No. <laughs> and this is a big zit to pop. Yeah. It's fallout for, it started to rain entrails. <laughs> for hours. On for, Beijing. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> So, so um, and then they did that thing, and I didn't realize the effect was that old, where they blur the panel to make it like an explosion. Yeah, which remember is not my favorite. This is the post Malibu acquisition. Um, this is Marvel's worst era in their coloring and uh, visual effects throughout well, the book. Did you see that Iron Man ad from the last issue? There was like uh, a teddy bear burning with that photo uh, effect on it. <laughs> Well, we also have a lens flare, so 
I mean, they're they're not putting a, they're not leaving any tool undone. Well, what's interesting is that um, a cat makes some mention of the Genesis well. It's sated for today, so mm, that might be interesting. And Citizen V gets that kind of gentle rebuke he always does, but he's such a roguish devil you can't really blame him. But he also threw it right back um, kind of in front what everyone in the council has been thinking and maybe mumbling between themselves. Uh, Citizen V puts right out there like on the broadcast to the bridge uh, of calling the destroyer on, you know, Roger on his uh, on his willingness to sacrifice so many. Um, but but he ends up contradicting himself because he ends up saying that he did want to. He's like the the tenant of the V Battalion is to sacrifice the least to save the most, and that is even though it was a little twisted, that is what Roger was trying to do. He was trying to kill the people in China to save the people of the world. That's that's what he thought the least to save the most was, and uh, what Citizen V did was um, risk himself. But who knew he would have been able to be successful? So I, I really, uh, I don't buy Citizen V's argument, but I uh, understand the gravity of putting it out there for everyone to hear that, like, hey, you're going, you know, when did you get so twisted? When did your vision get so twisted? Well, I mean, I think it's a valid point. I mean, it's tough to root for the V Battalion if they're just going to kill, you know, a million people or whatever to stop this thing seems... Almost like the cure is as bad as a disease. Hey, in the in the beginning of this issue, at the end of the flashback, there's a funny line of dialogue too when uh, the old Citizen V is speaking to. Uh, I guess it is Roger uh, there as well. But uh, at the very last thing he says to him as he's trying to give him a little, um, you know, word of encouragement as the scene ends, he says, "Buck up, Roger. Any future son of mine." And then they flash forward to his son, who is the current Citizen V, right? But seeing Buck, Roger, and Future all together in the same word <laughs> balloon was just like one of those little, like, Mel Brooks, like, you know, I'd like to give you this laurel and hearty handshake. You know, it's like, <laughs> I have a feeling Fabian knew what he was doing there. Fuck yeah, off, that's Roger. that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I like that his dad was just as roguish as... It's funny, you thought they might have had one of them against type or whatever, you know, but that's the uh, Citizen V, and then it cuts, it ends with our last page, pushing us back to the Bosnia situation with the Flag Smasher. And three, oddly enough, has a cover slanted the other direction. Yeah, sideways. I'm not really sure. It, I'm not a huge fan of this unless there's some compelling reason, and it doesn't seem to be one i mean it's a fine cover but i just what was there that couldn't have been you know was there any reason to do it this way always any thoughts on sideways covers he felt like drawing it that that way and they said well we're not doing a wraparound so we got to do it this way i would have kept the logo right side up oh yeah that might since it's not a sideways issue if the whole issue was sideways yeah 
go with the sideways logo and everything. But to have the what's the point of having the big Marvel comics up the side that that's not going to stick up at it. You know, it's got to stick up out of the uh, rack. Right. So. Yeah. And by this issue, we've just getting rid getting rid of names in general. The inks and colors are just done by Udon Studios. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe this issue could be, have been inked by you. 50 guys uh, in a sweatshop. Yeah. Uh, and on the fourth issue, the credits aren't even on the cover. Yeah, I think they've uh, backed. Well, let's get to the third issue, which starts in 1981, with Roger visiting a mysterious individual. And again, he's following up on this Marduk lead, which started in the last two. Marmaduke? Yeah. Yes. What was a Sumerian... the helmet of Hamdal? Yes. Well, this guy, he's um, supposed to be the guy that uh, trades and all this information. And looks like in 1981 he has like an iPod Touch or a tablet or a PDA or something. Uh, yeah. Or it, I thought it was an etch sketch <laughs> That too. He's really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> the color is a nice touch. And I only remember Marduk from uh, AD&D was one of the characters. Nice. It was a big, big uh, deity from those books. Um, but I guess he's a real thing. Yeah. Just a creation. I remember him from uh, Wyvern, in the collectible card game. Now, Marduk is running Oracle. Is that what's yes. happening? That That's not what we've... That, that is what's happening, but that's not okay. here. All right. Here, it's just he's the random answer man on mythology. But it turns out that he's not the answer man. He's actually Marduk that Roger went to without knowing it. And we know this because those two Akat and the scantily clad woman show up and say, hey, does he know you're Marduk? And he's like, oh, he doesn't. But the woman is called Papa. I don't know if that's an entity I'm supposed to be aware of. So it's Marduk, Akat, and Papa. But Papa don't look like no Papa. Papa I've don't preach. <laughs> so that's our... And then today, it's just the world is in turmoil. The Avengers are in Cuba. I'm unfamiliar with that plot line. Um, Alpha the Winter Flight. Guard is in Novo Sibrisk. Alpha Flight's in Greenland. Kevin, tell us what was happening back then. What was Alpha Flight doing in Greenland? There was a lot of ice. Something with the spirits of the land and, you know. Oh, jeez. <laughs> a, a giant volcano was walking around or, you know. Exactly. That or a Wendigo so, thing. Yeah, pretty much. One or the other. So we're, we're, this Marduk is behind a lot of this chaos. And they juxtaposition that with Roger, who now they they need to talk to Oracle, and that means talking to Jim Hammond. And well, Roger don't they like need to Jim talk Hammond. To Oracle. Yeah, they they need information on Oracle, so they they you know Jim's their their only closest contact, even though he's not with them anymore. But there's a thing between uh, Jim Hammond and uh, Roger, the Destroyer, and the original Human Torch. They've gone their separate ways, and they've got an old grudge. So uh, two Golden Age heroes who uh, don't see eye to eye and don't get along, but they respect each other enough to you know, share information. And uh, so they're going to meet up, but in the meantime, Citizen V is infiltrating. So that means he has to make a lot of quick per, uh, quips while he kills a bunch of random dudes and then a lot uses of his, uh, his uh, 3D modeling software to masquerade himself as one of the grunts. And then he goes into the uh, into the big base and he goes into their command center and he's, you know, 
stealing information after he gasses the people. But who should walk in on him? Who? The Flag Smasher himself. The Flag Smasher. What? You know he's important because he's not wearing a beret. Well, did you no. check out his belt? It's like one of those like wrestling, like world wrestling <laughs> championship massive big belts. I'm like, that's a belt. Yep. Belt, shield, and a and a smasher. In case you got in case you're holding a flag, he's ready to smash it. But strangely enough, uh, they don't fight. Citizen V turns off his comm link and tries to talk and talks to him in person, saying like I dig your plan, but you're going about this like some dime store villain. Need bigger picture here, buddy. This ain't going to happen. <laughs> He's going to make it happen. But how would you like to own your own country? Hmm. For the price of one million dollars. But uh, we we uh, flip back to uh, to the Penance Council, and they're going to meet uh, Jim Hammond, and you see some of the aftermath of poor Amico. Getting blown up. Don't trust the scroll teleporter either. No. And in the meantime, as you may guess, um, they're torturing a cat to get information out of him. And that's how they're learning more and more. And that's how he knows that he works for Marduk. And the Genesis well f- feeds him and it's fed by death. And this is for the and Arabian Marduk... Night. You remind me of the Arabian Night. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and Mar. Marduk, and this is where they put the, together that Marduk was the guy they met in the beginning, who's the CEO of Oracle. Dun dun dun. So this is the issue where it all comes together, kind of like, oh my gosh, we've been duped the whole time. This guy's trying to kill people, and then we see the Genesis well, yeah, it's which cool. is something right out of Cobra Commander from GI Joe. <laughs> it's true. Like I expect Serpentor to be sitting there, but it's this. <laughs> It's this cool pool with a big globe and like creepy snake fountain and yeah. But we cut back over to John who restores his comm link, and that's when we find out he made a deal, the flag smasher uh, unilaterally in a hot tub permission in a hot tub to celebrate. He gave the flag smasher his own country in exchange for information about Oracle, and they used the sleep machine put everyone to sleep, and so the Flag Smasher just takes over the country bloodlessly. Hmm. Which goes against what Marduk wanted, because he obviously needs all that, all those dead people to, you know, flood the the Genesis well. And before you, any of you listeners get worried, it's only Rumekistan that he gave him, so. Yeah, not anywhere anyone's ever actually heard of. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't have have many downloads from Rumekistan. Not now. He does warn well, now, him though. He says, uh, "Make it a paradise, not a prison. If you fail, I'll be back." Yeah, I don't think so. They didn't get another series, so no, he won't be back. <laughs> but ba- there's a, some other that's intimated in the beginning of the issue. Apparently, if you shake Marduk's hand, he can kill you at any moment. So mm-hmm. it ends with him killing Roger remotely. What if you use a little of that hand sanitizer afterwards? <laughs> oh, jeez. That better be Doctor Strange's hand sanitizer. It's like some serious con crud. But the last page, is you have a, quite a nice close-up on Roger's face. He's laying on the ground, not looking good. Ooh, I don't like the, the big vats with the gigantic liver and the big old femur in it. That's pretty nasty. That takes us to issue number four. 
And this, for me, is where the series kind of comes off the rails in a couple ways. There's been some promise in this, but this really... Uh, we have a new penciler, Klebs Jr. Mm-hmm. So I guess we couldn't even get four issues out of our original team, but and Udon Studios is back on that. Hey, I have a continuity uh, the... question here, too. Is Thor supposed to have his hammer at this point in time? Right. I would think so. A thousand AD? I don't know. And and I don't know. And Marmaduke's in his tub the whole time. <laughs> the whole issue. He it's doesn't a get like a prune. Bath. He's probably pretty pruny. <laughs> it's his, uh, not that I I mean I don't want to knock. I don't think the penciler does a bad job. It just sort of feels like everything had been and it wasn't just the art where this thing falls apart. Um but our, our flashback is 950 AD, and it shows uh, Thor sticking it to Marduk and basically punishing him for being kind of a ghoulish vampire guy. Mm. But So he's immortal, but he's um, you know trapped and sort of depowered. So he has to walk around as a dude, but you know he's going to live forever. So I guess it's not that. I'm, I don't really know how Thor didn't see this coming back to eventually... <laughs> create problems but he was impetuous so as steve pointed out um marduk just sits in the tub in this pool of souls the whole of souls is is uh roger roger dodger so the autop they don't do a full autopsy but the report shows that it's just his life was stolen which must have been a weird report cause of death stolen life I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this well here of souls or whatever, the the spring that he's in, is the same, um, some sort of s- sourced from the same spring that that well in the Tomb of Dracula that we talked about, where it was the, <laughs> like, the lifeblood of, like, everyone who's ever lived on the planet or something. I think that's the pin. But then there's another weird... Uh, Citizen V is like threatening a cat like he's going to kill him but we've seen that the guy reincarnates anyways Yeah, and he's like I refuse to accept that he's going to die he knows where Marduk is but you're going to tell him how to save his soul I'm like what how? but he doesn't I guess that was just I don't know just to remind us he's there it seemed like a scene that didn't add anything mm-hmm. um, I, I guess foreshadowing but so it's a where Marduk is at an offshore oil platform, which has a nice detail in it. Actually, it's quite a nice little. And he's in his uh, got his uh, cloaking Stealth. mode on. Yeah, this would Again, totally be an was, action figure. I'm unfamiliar with from the Thunderbolt series, but hey, why use those tools then? You know, save them for the big time. But uh, Papa, uh, Papa <laughs> does pretty, <laughs> and that's Papa Hanu Moku. And she can tell the rain on him. She's like, that ain't going to work at all. Yep. And I'm not going to let you get to the well, but who shows up to surprise her? The entire V Battalion in their big ship. The Vanguard pops dun, up. Dun. This time the Vanguard almost looks like a little like robotic pterodactyl. How it's drawn. Mm-hmm. The front lies. Those front two lights look like eyes. <laughs> it's toothless. So they uh, attack her. Apparently, destroyer. But I don't know if she can reincarnate as well too. Yeah, it's try unclear. reincarnate from a total incineration. But um, Marduk's 
drinking the souls, but he has a, a, a surprising visitor. And there's a joke not fit for children. They are Citizen a tub. Like, when a sword hey, goes into you... a tub, look out. Yep. Yeah, how are you, you know, release Roger type of witty banter. <laughs> like, oh, he's giving you indigestion. He gave enough of that to me. But the problem is he, um, he can't really kill. <laughs> he can't kill Marduk in the Genesis while he regenerates. Like he can he stabs stab him, him in the gut. He can shoot him in the head. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It, which is pretty is funny because they... you got the villain saying, "Hey, you know, I can't die well as long as I'm in, I'm in my bath, you know." And he's like, "That's right, I got a lot of bullets." He's just gonna keep popping away <laughs> at him and make it a really uncomfortable long bath. But don't worry, kids. Every shot strategically, Marduk's uh, important parts are always in shadow and never shown. <laughs> and it's already been a long bath, right? Yeah. And 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 he doesn't want it to be a longer bath, and he's going to have to stay in there even longer now. So it's like, no. But then the uh, the part that was really difficult for me is the destroyer. He's in. He's young, and he's inside of him in outfit, and he's going to fight against him from the inside by joining together with the other souls, which seems. I'd like to teach the <laughs> world to sing. <laughs> Perfect harmony. We go home and finish it with love. Grow up on trees and sunny things and snow-white turtles love. I like to teach the world to sing, sing with me. Perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. I like to the world and keep it company. It's it a total like hands someone, across the world. Yeah. I mean, no one would have thought of that. I guess he's so, I don't know. The whole thing seemed bizarre and odd, but at least everyone. Is that Baron Strucker there? Or is that, <laughs> is that the ultimate universe Nick Fury? Who is that? Where? Who's answering him? What should we do? He says. <laughs> it looks oh. like. It... Oh, yeah. And then Daredevil's there in the background, too. <laughs> So they all form the hands across America, too. That's and so then they're like, what are they going to do? Like, do they keep battling? And they're like, one strategy that um, Hammond comes up with is if they shatter the Genesis well. But that's going to make him more powerful. But that's also going to make Roger more powerful because it's more souls. And Citizen V's, my money's on Roger. So they blow up the well and he gets flooded with souls with some unconvincing photo effects. <laughs> and Roger and... saves himself from the autopsy. No one decides to, hey, why don't we just not do the autopsy while this mission <laughs> is still going on until we get a debriefing? But no, he's ready to make the first cut. He's got but his he's fist in his throat. Ugh, and he's getting ready to cut. Yeah. Doesn't I mean, look like just... his fist is right on his throat. <laughs> it's just un... I don't know, the... Very anticlimactic to me. Visually not interesting. Doesn't seem necessarily supported in the story. There were some interesting ideas there, but that resolution did not make me happy. But we the epilogue is fu- kind of important, at least. Yes. We cut to Amiko's funeral, and that's when Roger decides that he's done. Like, he's going to quit. We saw he that coming, right? He's death, yep. and he's going to try and find himself a life. And then we'll launch a new series with uh, Jim Hammond as head assistant. 
be in the V Battalion, but uh, what Jim I, Hammond? But I don't I don't think anything ever comes of that. <laughs> Why doesn't the rest of the inner count? What about Betty? Oh, she has Alzheimer's. She's... Oh, uh, what about Nuclo? <laughs> oh, he's an idiot. He's he has Nuclo. the mind of a child. All right. <laughs> I wouldn't use the term idiot. I'll, I'll... Yeah, I don't think he has. What about the mind Citizen of V? It's his book. Why doesn't he lead he's... it? He'd uh, reduce the ash, the world to ash, and his impetuous nature. Uh, Although they don't ever say why Fred Davis couldn't do it. Yeah, well, because he was only Bucky for a minute. Yeah, and then he'll be in an old folks' home, right? In one of those Captain America and um, what was it? Was it was it Bucky? No, was that a team was the, up book uh, that Brubaker did. I think that wasn't Bucky. That was the uh, the guy from the old '40s comic. Whitewash Jones or whatever, I think. <laughs> what? Remember that character? No. Yeah, the, unfortunately, those 40s Captain Americas are not... The 50 ones, are the not ones from the 50s characters. either. Yeah, yeah, you ever want to know. Washington well, Jones, yeah. I mean, the, the artwork is really yeah. not good in the depiction of him. I think the well, 50s I mean, the character, one is more of note. Yeah. Called Whitewash Jones. I mean, that's not, that's not good. I mean, no. but but they they retroactively made him cool. You know, like that he was not cool with the comic. Like he was a real. You know, they they fixed that in modern times. But yeah, those are some. I'm not going to be running out to buy those masterworks. I no. Can tell you. No, but but they incorporate that into their history. You know, they're not yeah. the, the the distinguished competition here. Well, you're not going to whitewash it. <laughs> Very funny, Dr. Jones. <laughs> yeah, so um, anyways, I think Fred Davis could have done it. But, you know, they're not going to have it. So that's the Citizen V. Like I said, I thought there were some interesting ideas, but I just think it, it seems like they, I don't know if they fell behind or it kind of caught up on them or what, but it seemed like, it felt to me almost like a first draft. Like there's something there, but maybe one more go round. What, what do you boys take away? I think it should have been shorter and it should have been maintained as a um, subplot going on in uh, Thunderbolts. But Thunderbolts was uh, starting to ship bi-weekly. So, and they had two different teams, so I don't think they wanted to work that in. And I guess they weren't planning on wrapping it back around, back into Thunderbolts yeah. anyway, right? So, well, I, whatever. I guess they wanted it to like stand on its own two feet, which... Well, there you go. Yeah. The market decides... Yeah, I don't. Know, I thought it was a decent enough story, but I think the Thunderbolt connections to the first one made that one more interesting. I Agreed. there's definitely interesting ideas here because, like the Silver Sable, the Wild Pack sort of runs off of similar stuff, and I know I'm interested in Golden Age heroes. It's just sometimes it doesn't quite Hot gel, levels. and I like Flag Smasher, but that threat sort of went away after the third issue. Yep, in one of the two. Um, tub scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, do we have access now, Kevin? You at the time were recording your thoughts contemporaneously. Do we have the uh, now over a decade ago this foreign distant character that we have been calling two thousand two? Kevin, do you have his thoughts? It, isn't this two thousand? Is it two thousand two? Not two thousand three. Started well, in two thousand two the... at least. Okay. Yeah, the Indicia has 2002. I don't know. Oh, right. Street date. Well, I don't know if this says anything, but he only 
recapped the first two issues for the website, and he only gave comments on the first issue. Wow. Yeah. Well, he sounds like he might be a, a, a sharper character than 2015, Kevin. <laughs> well, he, he liked the, the first series more. He, he liked the mysteries and all that stuff. I don't know. And then, he, oh, he's like, yeah, the whole um, Aubrey, uh, Hammond, you know, disliking each other thing. He's like, well, there's a story, an untold story that could still be told. And then I'm like, well, I guess I never got around to that one. I don't know. He, he He's uh, pretty much in line with a, a lot of what I thought. He, he mentions the artwork, too. Usually he's, you know, pretty pleased or he doesn't talk about the artwork a lot. But he even mentions the inconsistency and he says well sometimes the artwork could be clear or some of the characters could be more recognizable stuff like that so you know a lot of the same things we pointed out yep pretty spot on oh i always like it when 2003 given disagrees with current kevin i like that tension we might get some of that but we're, we're getting to the end of um the comments then he moves to calendar postings <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I guess that wraps up for the team. On th- any final thoughts, gentlemen? Um, Let's get back to the main series. Yeah, but don't expect me to stick around once we get to Fight Club. Well, I hope uh, you good listeners will join us for that time. And in the meantime, keep making ours Marvel noisy. Later. Oh